Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. Hey, welcome in. Glad you're along for the ride on a Wednesday installment of the program live from Island Wing Company, a fa- fantastic location here on the south side. We are so glad you are with us on this edition of the program um, on a gorgeous day. Can we just have this like every day from now forever? It Can does, I have that? It does feel like winter's gone and spring is here. It sure yeah. does feel like that. Until the high is 58 on Saturday. But right, it, but just today But until it feels then, like that. Until then. Yeah. Beautiful gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful. I mean, it is a beautiful day today. So I'm glad you're with us. And one nice thing about Island Wind Company, we're indoors, but all the doors are kind of, the windows are kind of open and there's glass everywhere. So it almost feels like you're outdoors and it's a good day to stop by. So I hope you'll stop by and say hello while we're at the Island Wind Company here on Southside Boulevard. Frank Frangie Hayes, Carlion, Lauren Brooks, uh, Andrew Gibson back at World Headquarters. Fun show today. Our friend Jared Rice stops by. Every Wednesday, Jared will be here between now and the beginning of the uh, of the Players' Championship, and uh, we start our countdown of the players on Wednesdays. Love having Jared stop by, one of our one of the great friends of the program and an all-time good guy, and he'll be by uh, on the air about 3.40 today. He's going to give away a couple tickets, I think, maybe even a gift certificate, so we got that. Are you telling me we got, we're giving away tickets to see Mike Love, Al Jardine, and uh, the Wilsons? Brian Wilson, Dennis Wilson, and Carl Wilson? Actually, the only ones of those, I think, that, I think Mike Love may be the only guys of those that are left. Is Al Jardine alive? Is Al Jardine alive? I do not know. Okay. I don't know if he's alive or not. Uh, Mike Love is. Mike Love will still sing lead. The Beach Boys. I love the Beach Boys. Steve Carline loves the Beach Boys. Steve Carline, Steve Carline I have that in common. loves the Beach Boys. Yep. I uh, remember listening to many Beach Boys cassettes as uh, my dad would take me to school and uh, various uh, other things. You were too young probably to truly appreciate the, the, um, the A-track? I am too young. But you did have the cassettes. He had the cassettes, yeah. Eight, eight tracks. You guys missed out on eight tracks. There's nothing better yeah. than putting in a tape about the size of a phone book <laughs> into a tape player in your car that was big enough to hold a phone book and listen to the music. You missed out on that. I did. Nothing quite like that. It's nothing a, quite I like mean, an eight track. Yeah, I mean, again. Eight track looked Beach like a square Boys, hockey puck is what it did. Beach Boys, eight track. Yeah. That's America. That's <laughs> America. Americana right there. Yes, it is. It's exactly what it is. So there you go. Al, Al, Gibby Al Jardine is still alive. Yes, he Mike is. Love, Mike Love is still How old is Mike Love? Can you tell me that, too, Gibby, while you look stuff up? Uh, yeah, Love. I will, but uh, Al is 80, and so uh, good to have him okay. still with us. Okay, yes, it is. I wonder, if he's still, I wonder if he tours with them still, if he tours. I know Mike Love tours with them. I know that for a fact. I don't know whether or not Al Jardine Mike is 81, so they're same age, basically. So I guess so. I know my, Mike will be here. 81-year-old Mike will be in the – We'll be at the uh, the, amp. Uh, the amp, yeah, for that for that show. I know that for a fact when they when they come to town. So, um, so there you go. So the Beach Boys, uh, uh, we tickets to be given away. Uh, so it's a Brooks Beat, and that comes up on the program. All right, a lot of things to get to today. We'll talk some golf. It'll be great to have Jared here talk a little bit about the players. Uh, there's been some changes. There's some changes in some bunkers. I was not able to go out there and play the other day, but I know they had a big time uh, playing that course, and I can't wait to, uh, to go out and watch it. Uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, LeBron has the record now. Uh, what does that mean? Does it affect his legacy at all, or was he already what he will be remembered as? We'll certainly talk about that today. But LeBron James, the leading scorer in the history of the National Basketball Association, uh, we'll talk about that coming up a little bit today uh, as well. Uh, The Saints are going to meet with Derek Carr. Surprised? A little bit. I mean, I I think ultimately 
car is going to have to get released um, because I just don't. I know the Saints are desperate, but I just I, it'd be hard for me to see a team taking on the contract. Now, if you take on the contract, obviously, and you agree to the trade and the compensation's probably just like a, I don't know, fourth-round pick, then, you know, you don't have to worry about getting into a bidding war with anyone else. But if you're willing to go that high, you're going to win the bidding war. Yeah. So I would just say the Saints, it makes sense. Just wait until the Raiders cut him, and then you can create the contract however you want to create the contract. Yeah, I've said all along I'd be shocked if a team trades for Derek Carr based off of those cap figures. So I think the Raiders are going to be forced to release him, and then at that point in time, he'll pick which team he thinks is going to help him the best. I can tell you this, in looking at the Saints' step chart, he had better weapons in Las Vegas yeah. than he would in New Orleans. Yeah, well, if you had Devontae Adams, that's probably going to be the case almost anywhere he goes. You know, if, you, if you're going somewhere without Devontae Adams and you went to a place with him, that'll probably be the case. So it'll be, it'll be a – I'm so intrigued. I know I talk about it every day of where this quarterback carousel is going to land because there's just so many free agent quarterbacks out there everywhere, you know, and there's so many teams that need one. It's, so. a, it's a bloodbath. Yeah, it, it is a bloodbath. I mean, it is such a bloodbath. I mean, if we needed one, I, I don't know that you could go 10 minutes without talking about it. Yeah. Um, you know, luckily we don't, and not only is he a great quarterback, he uh, is a great writer, uh, as we found out yeah. today as well. But, uh, but yeah, it's um, – it's a bloodbath. I mean, it just simply is. And if Aaron Rodgers retires and Tom Brady doesn't change his mind, it, it I mean, it, it's about as bad a quarterback market as I think we've ever seen because, I, I mean, three teams are going to feel like they solve it in the draft, but they are going to, I think, have some really restless nights uh, as they get into training camp and, you know, thinking about putting – Levis and Young and Stroud out there week one or in September. I'm really intrigued. There's going to be some bad quarterback play next year in the league, in my opinion, more than what we're used to seeing. Do the Titans keep Tannehill if Rodgers and Brady are both done? Assuming Brady's done. And if Rodgers comes out and says he's retired, does do the Titans end up keeping Tannehill? Yeah, I, 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 I think they're going to keep him. I don't think they're moving on from Ryan Tannehill. I, I, I just think unless you know what, unless you get Aaron Rodgers, okay. If Aaron Rodgers says, "Hey, I want to live in Nashville, and I want to play in the AFC," and then that changes the paradigm. But I, I don't think I run off Ryan Tannehill for Derek Carr or, I guess maybe Garoppolo. But I, I don't. And I think Garoppolo is better than Tannehill. But I don't know that I'm running off Tannehill for him. Are you? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think uh, I think Tennessee might be stuck a little yeah. bit if, if they don't get Aaron Rodgers. Now, the good news is if Aaron Rodgers elects to play, uh, Tennessee has a leg up because Green Bay would rather trade Aaron Rodgers to the AFC and not have to worry about him. Uh, and, you know, Tennessee will, will certainly have enough compensation to, to make the, the deal happen. I... Uh, I, I hope it doesn't happen um, for obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, I, I think as you look at it, I think a lot of teams are going to be like, it's Aaron Rodgers or we we're, we have failed. I mean, I, I just don't I, – I don't think anybody's going to look at Garoppolo or Carr as saviors. I think it's more just are they guys that you can survive with long enough to, you know, to find your long-term answer. But – it is just, it is just a you know, terrible climate to have to go out and try and find a legit starting quarterback this year. 
And, you know, maybe we see teams that are able to find a, a bargain. Maybe, you know, the model will be let's, let's copy what Seattle did. No one thought Geno Smith could play. They played them. They're able to find something. You know, maybe do you see a team say we're going to take a shot on Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold and, and hope that we can get them to play at the highest level they've played at. But I, I, think, I think a lot of these teams are headed for a really long season at that position. See, I think the Jets would think of Jimmy Garoppolo, and I, I know I think of him high, more highly than I think both of you do. I know for sure for, than you, Hayes. I think the Jets, if they got Jimmy Garoppolo, would think they have the quarterback problem solved. See, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, and, and I hear and you've always liked Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G's fine. I think he's really going to benefit from a dearth of quarterback, a lack of quarterbacks. I, I, I just think that he's going to benefit from the fact that they're not out there. Um, and he's going to land a starting job with the football team. I just, other than Aaron, and I even wonder if Aaron Rodgers has lost some stuff, you know? I mean, this isn't Aaron Rodgers of seven years ago. He's good. He's good. I mean, he's but, two years removed from winning the MVP. I know. But, but yeah, this, but that was this two season, years. I would say, was a little bit of a, of a setback. And you wonder how much of that was supporting cast. But, yeah, look, I mean, he is 39. And, obviously, he spends his off seasons in interesting fashion. <laughs> so, I do think the there's a little bit of a wild card factor with Rodgers. I, I mean, I, I – He's by far the best guy available, assuming Brady stays retired. Um, but, I mean, even Aaron Rodgers, to your point, will carry some risk. Wouldn't you worry that in the middle of the season, if things aren't going well, Aaron Rodgers would just be like, hey, I need another break. He's I got to go hallucinate yeah. for another four days. Yeah, he's never been the guy that bails in the middle of a season. But I hear you. There's but he a, seems to be trending more towards but that. There's a flakiness to him. There, there's, there's clearly a flakiness to the guy. So we've got a lot of things to talk about today. Jared Rice in about 20 minutes. Lawrence got some tickets to give away. But let's start with the Players' Tribune. Trevor Lawrence uh, spoke to the fans. Um, he cares about the fans. I hope you've read it by now. If you have not, uh, what, a, what a telling, telling letter that Trevor penned. A lot of times tri- Players' Tribunes can just be, here's my story. They're not directed to somebody. This one was. We'll talk about that. That's how we'll kick off the program. We'll talk some golf. We'll talk some Super Bowl, some Senior Bowl. Got a lot to do. Glad you're with us on a Wednesday on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Beach Boys is our Brooks Beat today. This song came out in 1966. Listening to it a few years after that, I remember being like, wouldn't it be nice if I was older? Now, of course, listening to it, I do not want to be any older. All right, our first pair of tickets to give away to the Beach Boys is right now. Be caller number one at 641-1010. Caller number one at 641-1010. The Beach Boys are coming to the Amp in St. Augustine. Coming up on Saturday, February 25th. That is later this month, just a couple of weeks away. If you don't win this pair of tickets, don't worry. We have two more pairs to win. If you don't win any of the tickets, make sure you go to theamp.com to buy your tickets today. And that song also um, was on the Pet Sounds album, which is regarded as one of the most musically perfect albums ever written. Do you know that? Yeah. I mean, He's I mean, a genius. I mean, it really was. That, that one, that's the one that, that, he, that he 
grind it over and grind it over and grind it over. And Pet Sounds is it's probably not my favorite Beach Boys album because I like just the old stuff. I like Little Surfer Girl and, mm-hmm. and, and Fun, Fun, Fun. But as far as artistically, it was regarded as one of the great works of art in the rock era. Did you know? I mean, Pet Sounds. It, it drove them into madness. It, that, that album did. That's exactly, creating, that's exactly right. Creating that album is what, what, what kind of drove Brian Wilson crazy. It, it really was. They were one of the few bands that I feel like were kind of wholesome the whole time. Yep. Is that right? Like, yeah. Or is that Seems accurate, like right? Yeah. yeah, when you see the stories behind the story, Dennis Wilson knew Manson, and, and, and there were some, some crazy stories. And, but, but, yeah, they were, they, they were not hard rock. They were fun rock. They were beach rock, obviously. But, they, uh, but Pet Sounds was, it was, was ast- an astoundingly good an astoundingly good album, and it really was. I don't think you can listen to Beach Boys and be in a bad mood. Yeah, And yeah. so I'm certainly glad that it's nice weather today as we have pairs of tickets to give away. All right, so Trevor Lawrence penned a letter to Jacksonville and the Players' Tribune if you haven't read it yet and you're a Jaguars fan. I highly recommend it. Uh, one of my favorite parts is the fact, Frank, that he said he and his team are still angry that they didn't beat the Chiefs. It was a fantastic letter. It was, re- it was like real. You know, a lot of times I'll read stuff in Players' Tribune and I'll think, did the player really write that, or did someone ghostwrite it, or what got, got them to write it? I know it's their heart and soul, their feelings, but but you but but you wonder does a, do a play, and maybe they do. I just don't know. Do a play, does the player really think like that? This looked like some. This looked like a letter he sat down and wrote to the fans, and Players Tribune put it out there. I mean, it was. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. Uh, Trevor Lawrence wrote one to the fans. And essentially it starts with, I wish I wasn't writing this. I wish we were playing in the Super Bowl. I wish we were still playing. But how much he appreciates the fans. There were some great moments in it, Lauren. You're right. The fact that they're ticked. They didn't, they weren't, they didn't try to just show up and play the Chiefs. They were trying to win. I love the fact that he said down 27 to nothing to the Chargers. He looked into the stands and nobody had left. That was a cool thing. He said they stuck around and believed in us. I love the fact that after the Lions loss, when he said he went over to Christian Kirk's house and Zay Jones showed up too and the three of them just said, okay, Let's put that behind us. Here we go. Uh, it, I thought it was a fantastic. I thought it was very visceral and very real, and I could see him sitting down typing or writing that letter. I really could. I, I agree on all counts. It was great. I thought that he's, he takes things personally. He, he has an edge to him. He heard the criticism, and I, and, and I think the fact that this letter kind of puts the foot on the gas in terms of, we're not shying away from any sort of expectations next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they obviously feel like they could have easily won the divisional game in Arrowhead. And obviously we know that the vast majority of this team, if not almost the entire team, is, is going to be back in terms of the, the notable players. Um, but to hear, to, to read Trevor write about uh, the emotions and, and the anger I wanted to see that because great competitors learn how to hate, and Trevor had to get there. And there was a little bit of will he have that in the draft process because he, you know, said, you know, football isn't everything to me, and you know, I don't play with a chip on my shoulder. And and really, he'd never had to. He won all throughout high school and college. His losses in college usually came at the end of the year, where you know, and uh, so we just hadn't really seen it. He's ready to be a king now. He's ready to be a king in the NFL because the final piece for Trevor Lawrence is having that competitive hate. And I think hate is not a good thing. 
But competitive hate, I think, can be an extraordinarily powerful and positive thing uh, for an athlete. And I think Trevor Lawrence clearly showed today he absolutely has that moving forward. Yeah, I think that's well said. The other thing is, I wonder now, with everything that we know, will we look back at the urban year in a few years and say, maybe it's a good thing that it all happened? I I know there's some scar tissue that had to be worked through, but maybe one of the best things for Trevor to have happen is to lose in that fashion, to lose that many games, to go through such hard times, to then not be able to take it for granted when he is winning in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, um, what doesn't kill you makes you better, right? I think that there's, there's some truth to that. I, um, I, I hear you. I agree with that. As painful as it was, you wouldn't trade anything for where they are now. And I'll say this, too, having said that, back to the point you made, Hayes, about reading it, I love the fact that he used the word bust. He said, I heard what people were saying. I heard what people said about our team. I also heard what they said about me. And then it went paragraph, and then in italics, bust. You know, nobody ever nobody admits to that. Nobody ever admits to people who thought they sucked once upon a time. We, if you're, we all have some time in our, in our business life where we sucked at the job or someone thought we sucked at the job. I'll give you a list of times I, I qualified. And, so, and, and nobody ever wants to admit to that. And he wasn't saying I sucked. He was saying people thought I wasn't going to be any good. And, I, and, he, and, and he said, you know what, and I – you want to call me a bust? Okay, let's see. And I, I love that about him. I, it was one of the most real things I've ever seen. I mean, it was really real. That, that, that's what I took out of it. And, and I like that he chose to do it. You know, it's hard. How do you say thanks to your fans? You know, you, you, can, you can always say in a press conference, we have great fans. Everybody says that. You know, you can, uh, you can in every press conference you can say it. You can wave to them when you're running off the field. But I think all this stuff about him, the the story I told you guys about when we were in London and making sure he didn't leave until he thanked all the people that prepared the food. The story that uh, we all saw him waiting in the tunnel uh, to greet every player after the season had ended uh, in that final game. And now this, finding a unique way, I think, to talk to his fans. I thought that was cool, man. I, I, I did. I thought, that was, I thought there was a, a, a visceral coolness to it. And, and I, I can't wait to watch his games, call his games, attend his games, travel to his games. I can't wait to watch him. He's, just, he's 23, man. I can't wait to see what the next 10 years holds for him, right? 10? 20. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> but, I mean, but you can comfortably say 10 without sounding corny. You know, normally you can't say 10 years about anything. Yeah. You can comfortably say 10. It's probably hard to say a whole lot more than 10 about any athlete. I don't eat Tiger whoever. But whatever the number is, 10, 15, the point is you can comfortably say that. You can comfortably say we got the next decade, to your point, plus we have the next decade of this. That's great. We haven't had that. That's freaking great, isn't it? it? It's not only great that we have the quarterback. It's someone who I think embraces and understands what it's like to be Duval. Yeah. He's yes, not just yes. a guy who can sling the football. He understands the oppression and the, the laughing stock that this team has been. He went through the urban year. It's not like he arrived after that. Yeah. And so he even mentions in the in – the, piece you could feel it in Publix like we all said but here's the quarterback saying that and and you know what else too he's a Ville guy he was born in Knoxville he went to high school in Cartersville he lives now in Jacksonville he's a southern guy you know he this is a he to your point about Duval he gets Duval you know and I'm not saying he wouldn't be good if he was raised in Minneapolis that's not my point but he wasn't 
he's a southern guy that kind of gets us and gets this city and came around at the perfect time. And, and I, uh, I, I, I can tell you this. I had a uh, – I, I, I had dinner last night with uh, – there were seven or eight of us that all went to elementary school together, literally knew each other since the first grade, which is pretty cool. That's one good thing. Like the three of us, we all grew up – we're all still working in our hometown. But there were, there were all there – were, there were, I think it was seven, seven or eight people having to be at the table, all of whom went to elementary school together in the first grade. And I thought – and just we all talked Jaguars. The whole, the whole conversation was Jaguars, Jaguars, Jaguars. And, and I can tell you the look on their faces because it's their hometown, man. And they've lived here all their lives. And they've lived in a town where we don't have hockey or NBA or baseball and, and we – uh, we don't have Disney World or South Beach or the teams in Tampa. We have this magnificent city that we're so freaking proud of, and we're from here. And being with my buddies last night, guys I grew up with, and then reading that today about how this guy gets Duval, man, it's corny, but it's cool. It's a cool thing. It is a cool thing, and uh, Shad Khan, uh, get ready, because in about nine months, uh, maybe a little longer, maybe 11 months, uh, hopefully actually – a year and three days. <laughs> Again, the math um, thing. Again, yeah, we do, we've dealt with this math thing before. It's been a, been a, been it's a bad week. Um, the, uh, it, I mean, get ready because the second that you can extend Trevor Lawrence, you've got to do it. And and I think this just further reaffirms that this is the kind of player that you want to give that kind of contract to. He's going to be able to handle it, and, uh, and I think he's going to live up to it. Um, and the longer you wait, the more – costly it's going to be so uh, I, I I'm really excited to you know to to see what the future holds for the city and for the Jaguars and for Trevor Lawrence and uh, again I, I think yeah I, I always go back to my kids are 14 and 12 and Trevor Lawrence could be the quarterback could be wrapping it up when they're 34 and 32 I mean that is remarkable to me and and I absolutely that's a think great that's, that's a great play. way to look at it. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. It, it could be uh, a couple generations, a couple generations. So I would be sixty. I don't know. I don't know if I want to look at it like that. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> well said. I'm not even going to go there. But I'm going to be here. Of okay, course. Just, just, just saying, be, I'm going to be here. It'll still be the Frangie show. Uh, maybe still call the games. Okay. Call, can I call game? Is that Naturally. okay with you? Like you call the games? I'll do that. Fine with me. I saw today, I don't remember which team it was, but someone who's like 84 was extended, and it's his like 47th year in the league as an assistant coach. So if they can have assistant coaches, absolutely. By the way, congratulations to James. He was the first winner for the pair of Beach Boy tickets. All right. Very good. So, hey, we're glad you're with us. A lot of talk, a lot of football talk coming up. Jim Nagy joins us at 420, the outstanding executive director of the Senior Bowl and what great work he does on a regular basis. He'll talk some Super Bowl with us uh, as well. But when we come back, uh, let's welcome in our friend Jared Rice, the executive director of the uh, Players. The Players is right around the corner. Love talking about the, my favorite golf tournament. That's next, so stay with us. You even get golf music. You don't get that everywhere, do you? I saw you. I, used to, I don't know if you're swaying for the <laughs> – I mean, you're kind of getting into <laughs> a little bit. I got a little sway going, yeah, dude. <laughs> welcome back to the program. Frank Frangie, Hayes, Carlin, Lauren Brooks, and our buddy Jared Rice. Executive Director of the Players is here for the first time. We get to visit with him every Wednesday. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Great Beautiful. to have you here. We're, we're excited about the turn. I told you this uh, during the break. I was uh, out of town over the weekend, so I couldn't play in the, in the media thing. Yeah. But I hear it's just gorgeous. And, you, and I know what you said. You said you feel bad always having to say it's better. But everybody that I saw, everybody I talked to that was out there said the course is spectacular. They, um, again, the, the, the team finds 
ways every year to to make little changes and to learn. I mean, this is going to sound again. We're getting in the weeds literally, yeah. but to hear our agronomy team talk about. I mean, it's science how they learn how to yeah. you know, grow it a little bit better and to you know maintain the property even better every year. And you can tell it looks awesome. Now we've had a pretty. You know, we've had a, a weather-wise, we've had some some good luck over the last uh, few months, so yeah. it's pretty pretty spectacular right now. Very cool, Jared. How are ticket sales going for Tuesday? Military appreciation <laughs> for the concert for Riley Green, and thank you for listening to my input as far as who I wanted it to be. Um, every year? What do you mean listen? To, of course, I listen to your <laughs> input every year. I don't know. It's always in, you know, take it. No, okay. Um, no, it, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Um, he, his team has been awesome, and good. he won, you know, best uh, CMA, best uh, new artist. Um, nose golf. Um, he's touring with uh, you know, performers Combs, yeah. who have played the the players before, which is kind of a cool thing. So he comes into it knowing a little bit about what they're getting into. So uh, it's going well. It's outpacing last year. Um, so we're, uh, we're 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 pretty pumped up. It's uh, definitely we talk about expanding our audience and really celebrating Jacksonville. I think uh, I think we're gonna end up doing that on Tuesday. Do the elevated events? Does that affect? the players at all or does the players now have greater prize money than it had before how did the changes that the tour made affect the players championship at all so um we well this week is an elevated event so this is our second uh, elevated event on the pga tour season century being the first um, all of those elevated events will have elevated purses um 20 million dollar purses so players will be 25 million so four and a half to our winner so uh that doesn't change i mean we field first of all um you know home of the pga tour uh we work for our members and uh it's the hardest event to win when you look at how we're stack ranked in terms of uh you know the field 144 uh the democratic nature of the course uh so it stands to reason the the purse and reward should uh should be the best and the biggest so how does an extension of hayes's question yeah. the whole live thing where it's headed how does it affect your we're, – we're, we, we've been around – we've had it in our lives enough now that you've been able to digest it. How does it affect your event? Um, you know, it's, it's a good question in that um, – and, again, we are so focused on making it great. And I know this kind of sounds like, you know, again, it Not feels bad. like a little bit of a cop-out answer. But, you know, we, we are so focused on making this an industry-leading event. And I'm not saying that we – you know, that – that each year I mean every year we do something different and we're trying to make it better um, and that starts with our players so um, we're, we're inclined to do that at our event anyways um, and so I mean it's out there it's something that has been um, in the press and you read about of course um, it, 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 again it, it, it's, it, it's going to affect us with our defending champion no longer being a member of the PGA Tour um, so um, you know I think the commissioner's comments in uh, end of last summer at, at, at tour championship really kind of set a path forward. And at this point it's, here's what we do. Best players, best courses, best cities doing a lot for, you know, charity and, and uh, economic profile of those places. And um, you know, there's a, there's a, another exhibition doing what they're doing and uh, we're going to focus on us. But hopefully you'll have multiple previous winners in the field this year. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, when you look at the, the, the field top to bottom, um, and this sometimes gets complicated for you know, even fans of golf, but, you know, again, passive fans of golf. And when you think about who is in our field, and I think this is kind of interesting, that 95 to or more percent of our field will be what we call exempt players. That means you have status to play on the PGA Tour. That is men's professional golfers who go in and in and out every week and, and play golf for a living. 
there are other major championships that have a different set of criteria, whether mm -hmm. it's uh, teaching professionals or whether it's amateurs like the U.S. Open, that, and you can qualify to play those majors. For us, it is exempt playing professionals. So when you think about anybody can win and how hard it is to beat who's in the field, it's because they're all playing for a living. You guys always do such a great job with everything that surrounds the event. Is there, what are some new initiatives in terms of being on the course during, uh, you know, the practice rounds and certainly competitive play that uh, you want fans to know about? Uh, a couple key ones. Um, we'll, we'll get to tickets and parking. I know that's yeah, yeah. the right, right, <laughs> that's yeah. the bumper, right? In and yeah, out. Right, right, that's right. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's important because we got to get back into <laughs> yeah, the groove here. I mean, right. we've had a. It's it's uh, we got to get back to you know some some traditions of getting ahead of that. Um, but the eight nine area, I think, will be really fun. So when you come in our uh, Nicholas entry, you head to the left. Um, again, that's there where eight green nine T is. So we've extended the nine T box to give us some more flexibility in the length of that hole. And uh, while doing that, we've built out a brand new fan area where we'll have a uh, you know, local restaurant, the uh, Tito Stillhouse Lounge. We'll move to that uh, location. And behind number eight has been completely regraded oh, and, wow. and regrassed. So it's an awesome, you know, par three to watch. Uh, nine as a, as a par five will be a, a lot of fun to watch. And you're not that far from, from 17. So that's definitely a new spot you got to check out. Yeah, that's a great area. We, we, when we used to go around hole to hole, we, one day we would go live from there. Um, tell me about the bunkers. We talked about this during the break a little bit. That a lot of my buddies that played this weekend said they're, they're gorgeous. What, what's changed? So they do uh, again, refacing of the bunkers every uh, you know, couple of years. Okay. And this is maybe a little bit more, but um, you know, we were, they were due to be, uh, to be refaced this year. And so what that is is that's the transition. First of all, it's the face of them, so it'll look more pure, and yeah. it's really kind of this defined edge, so the look is really nice. Uh, and then from a playability perspective, um, you know, you can – it's it's the transition to get into the bunker is going to be a little bit easier uh, for the golf ball. So that'll yeah. be a competitive yeah. change that some of the guys will have to get used to. Is Naomi still the wine person, <laughs> the carrier it. of the company? Concert, wine, yeah. what else yeah. we got? I care yeah. about yeah. me. Yeah. And yeah. Other people yeah. care about the yeah. things yeah. I care she's about. She's sort of our fun beat reporter. We're <laughs> just, okay, she's I the think, fun. I think we're on the air, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so the wine and dine on nine area <laughs> left of number nine fairway. Right, right. Uh, that's that's the that's a hot spot on Thursday afternoons. I know there's a lot of a lot of get togethers over there all week long, yeah. but uh, Bonefish will be out there, Miomi's um portful portfolio will be out uh, featuring their wine so uh, always a good place to, to check out for sure jared who are some young players that uh maybe haven't done much at the players yet uh but you've been impressed with either how they played it into last year maybe in the the couple months that we've had sure. now in this season anybody to to keep your eye on um well having spent some time at the president's cup and and know that um South Korean players have had a pretty good, um, you know, run at the Players' Championship. In fact, we've had a lot of international winners. But, um, you know, Siwoo obviously won already this year, K.J. Choi before him. Um, but Tom Kim, I mean, how can you not I mean, lo love the personality, love the drive, love the fire, and uh, he'll be a cool first-timer, um, of which we've never had a first-time winner of the Players. So, um, you yeah, maybe something to, to keep yeah. an eye on. Um, Listen, you can't – I mean, Max Homa um, <coughs> playing great again over the course of the end of last year and to, and to kick off this year. So, you know, those are a couple of young names that uh, you know, I think you should definitely uh, pay attention to. Jared Rice with us, Executive Director of the Players. I would think the, the answer to this is you've got the course about right. Uh, there hasn't been a change of significance since 12, right? 
and uh, and, right. and, and I in twelve is fantastic. I mean, you I got to believe you guys. How many, it's been a handful of years now, but I, mean, yeah. I got to believe you yeah. love what happened there, yeah. right? So the the last major change to the to the course was uh, six. And, when you did the remodel of six and seven, we had that rather unsightly mound, candidly, that uh, was in between six and seven. So we made a uh, you know water. Oh yeah. Um, it, it, so now it's a lake in between six and seven. That's and right. That's right. The left side. That's right. That's right. That's actually where we put all the material that we made the the, the lakes and ponds. That's the okay. that's the real you know, yeah. making the sausage there. But anyways, um, so that lake is is relatively new. Uh, right. Twelve as a drivable par four is still yeah. relatively new. And so this this T extension is probably yeah. the the next biggest thing. And you know, when you look at the course, um, what, what's awesome about it, it was you know built ahead of its time and has withstood the test of time it's you have to do everything really well you've got to drive it you've got to be able to play all phases of the game very well and um you know just kind of being on the periphery of the competitive area number nine you know if, if, if still trying to maintain that original design intention make risk reward come into your thought on the on the first on the tee box on number nine and uh you know maybe making the guys have to go for it a little bit more off the tee yeah I, that, that that i'm glad you said that because i, I I should know this, but I don't. Do most people try to get there on nine and two? Because that, that's a hard hole. I mean, I mean, is that? That, to me, is one of the most wild second shots. Yeah. I mean, if anyone yeah. has been out there, first of all, if you go out there, you should at least put it on your list yeah. to watch what they do. If yeah. you're in the middle of the fairway, you cannot see the green. Right. The opening cannot be 20 feet. There's a pot bunker in the middle of it. Correct. It's narrow. Oh, there's, you know, bunkers all the left, grass all the right. I mean, it's, it's literally, I mean, yeah. it's threading a needle. And there's a lot of guys that go for it. Yeah. It's um, yeah. it's it's pretty crazy. So, and this um, is now it's longer. Yeah. So now it's longer. I yeah. mean, what that'll bring in is um, you know, potentially if they if they extend it or yeah. use that new tee, you know, more drivers um, yeah. off off the tee box to get to that spot to go for it. And you know, there's a little less predictability with a driver in your yeah. hand, at least for me. It's a great. <laughs> it's a great. Well, it's a great hole. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, nine is a great golf hole, and I'm trying to think. I'm. You know what? For whatever reason, my 800 years of going to the players. I watch nine, but I've never set. I never set up at nine. We've all set up at seventeen. You know me. I'm between twelve and thirteen. And, but I, but but I'm trying to think. I guess they're all, par fives. They're always going for it. Yeah. There's yeah. always a, yeah. a high percentage yeah. of the guys, but that's a hard one. Yeah. I'll, I'll be interested to see yeah. how that changes the whole. Well, eleven is an, another par five right. that again as a as an am that you're out there and you feel all right. I feel pretty good. I had a great yeah. tee shot, and then you've got like. 250 in right and john rom is you know grabs a five iron and he's going for it every time that's where those right. moments of like oh right. it's they, right. they they do it differently yeah <laughs> 11 you hit it left uh, your number your second shot on 11 has to be left yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm clearing it left okay <laughs> that's I'm the only not, shot that's the only shot is left nine's now the longest hole on the course right yeah. Again, if they choose to move move it back to that new tee box and and play it from the you know play from that area would be the longest on the on the course. Yeah. When will you get feedback from the players as far as when you make changes like that? Uh, in in terms of design or in terms of like during the week or both. Both. Um, you know we the our com our competitive area and we have we actually have an in house uh, construction design firm that we will we will engage and update the players. Uh, there's a process to do that in advance. It's not like there's just like, oh, hey, by the way, we're doing this. So there, okay. yeah. there is a now again, is it Jared going in front of you know every again exec yeah, member yeah. and presenting it? No, there, but there is a there's a communication process. And during the week, um, you know, it's a not not dissimilar is you know the players will give feedback pretty regularly right after the round about uh, 
you know, the, the conditions and how it's playing. And, um, you know, we take that in consideration in terms of setup. Yeah. What is Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas, two recent winners of, of your event, what, what have they meant to the players and what have they meant to the PGA Tour? You know, just, you know, for, for the, in the obvious is the mo most recently uh, when you think of their comments and how much um, the tour means to them and where it's going to go and uh, what winning on the PGA Tour means, playing, again, great courses and stack fields and that competitive fire and legacy, and these are all their words. Um, that, that's awesome to hear and, and, and fun to get behind, especially since they're two past champions. Right, um, and great players. And, 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 and amazing players. Um, yeah, Roy was our first winner in March, and um, that was that was a pretty pretty cool validating moment. <laughs> we were yeah. talking a little bit about March and May during the break, and uh, that that was a lot of fun. And then uh, JT, when he came through in, in 2021, as we were really the first event to stage with fans post COVID, um, you know, having a, a winner of that magnitude and what he had gone through personally, and to hear you know, how much it meant to him uh, to win this championship was, was pretty cool. Those are motivating factors for sure. I think Rory, because he's pissed about Liv. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think he's gained so much, so many fans, so much appreciation. I, I really think that because, I mean, all the players are, but he's no holds barred, you know. I, I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, there's you, you look at, the again, the comments. There's yeah. a, a few of our top players that um, – you know, are very passionate, and um, they want to see great things for the tour and uh, be a be a part of it. I mean, not that again as a membership organization, yeah. th it is the it is the their tour, yeah. Um, and they are taking a really active position in what they want to see going forward. Tell me about parking and tickets. What are we going to do? Let's, <laughs> All right, we let's got get there. to All it. Right. Let's get to it. What are we doing? Uh, got to get them early. Okay, okay, so we're back in again, back into yeah. the routine here. Yeah. Um, Friday and Saturday. Uh, okay. Breaking news, Frank. It's going to be busy. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be on the road uh, <laughs> right. between uh, you know eleven thirty and one thirty. Um, all kidding aside, we'll get into this a little bit later, but um, was not lost on us. An 18-hole restart on Saturday yeah. Yeah. Uh, with a lightning delay and a tornado warning in the morning uh, provided some logistical challenges on Saturday. Uh, that said, we've we've made changes and improvements to parking lots, throughputs, um, even some, some traffic plans. But um, it'll be busy at those times. So get your tickets, get your parking, make your plans early. Yeah. Uh, never too early to do it. We've got a giveaway. We for the loyal listeners we, we, out we there. We need a number. Oh. We need a number. Yeah, right. I got it. You got it. <laughs> go for it. He's been, he's been <laughs> ready. He's excited. I, I wasn't prepared, but yeah. we're going to go with nine. We've yeah. been talking about nine all day. Number nine. <laughs> there you go. Caller nine, 641 Caller number nine. You got two picks to the two tickets to the Sunday round and a $50 gift certificate uh, to Cousins Lobster, right? Yeah. That, that Cousins Main Lobster. Cousins that's Main right. Lobster. That is absolutely fantastic. Well, listen, I love when you come on. I love we do this. I want to say something before you get out of here, though. Um, the The players is proud of that it, at one point it was nine million it goes into local charities probably more than that now but i mean that's that but i, I mean i know you're proud of that well as someone that started a charity and 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 is now put six thousand kids who couldn't have played baseball before and i'm very proud of walk off there is no walk-off charity without the players and so people talk about all the, you, you hear people talk about it well I, i'm on the other side of it jared and you know that yeah you've helped us launch walk off you support it every year that is not lost on me, so thank you. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I really do. We, well, you've made walk-off happen, and I know that's the case for a lot of other charities too. Well, appreciate you saying that, and yeah. um, we love the ability to yeah, – listen, it's a great equation. Come yeah. out, have a good time, do yeah. some business, see some friends, yeah. see awesome golf, and at the end of the day we're able to help kids in our community. I mean, that's, that's a pretty nice it's thing awesome. to do. It's awesome. I, I appreciate it. We'll see you next Wednesday, Let's and he'll it. have another number.
over and uh, you have any more music questions or are you done with the music stuff? Are you good? Can I pick the set list that Riley plays? <laughs> okay. That's a yes. You got a yes. Out here. Like, we can I, talk about that. <laughs> yeah, that I can commit to. <laughs> Jared, thanks, man. Jared Rice, the executive director of the players. Back in a moment. Stay with us. Hey, we're glad you're with us. We continue along here on a Wednesday live from Island Wing Company on Southside Boulevard. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carlion, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson back at World Headquarters. Great to have our friend Jared Rice, an all-time good guy. And uh, they work hard out there. You know, we see the tournament one week. <clears throat> you see a week. You see a week. And it's a wonderful week, and it's a glorious week, and the, the course is in fantastic shape. And the, the fan experience with all the food and drink and, and sight lines is spectacular. I say this every year, though. People don't realize... They work 51 weeks for that 52nd week for all of us. It sounds corny, you know, but, I mean, that staff all year long to put on that. Think about that. They were, you work all year long to put on that week uh, for us, and it's, uh, it's, it's glorious. Many of our favorite week of the year. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's fantastic. And the closeness you get to be to PGA Tour players, the likes of Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and Justin Thomas, and the list goes on and on. And the just fantastic things that they do, like you said, with food and drink, and they're constantly reworking that to make it better and better and better. So the moment that the tour, or sorry, the players ends, everyone else at the players is meeting to see, let's go over every possible thing that could have gone wrong. And Jared just addressed this. When it comes to last year, they had the awful rain and lightning delay, and everyone had to either leave or not be able to go in yet. And they had lots of issues. We know, Frank, because we sat in traffic for three hours dealing with it. Lots of issues when it came to trying to get in. Well, they've made sure to address that. And so they, have take, they take every step possible to make sure that it is the best experience, especially for someone who's never been before. We know how great it is. But for someone who's never been, they want them to walk away saying, I can't wait to go to that tournament every single year. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'll tell you, and I said this to Jared, I'll say it now too, even with him not sitting here. Hey, that charitable piece is real. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, I mean, it's real. And, and take it from me, who's on the other side of it, the receiving end. And I can tell you with Jared, I'll go to Jared and say, listen, we, we, we've, we've grown a little bit. We need, here's what I need from you. If you can do it, Jared says, no, let's do it. I mean, and, I mean that, that's how – I mean, we are, we're one of the 50 charities they named uh, in their promotional uh, campaign. That 50. We're one of the 50. You know, so, so it's great stuff. I, I really appreciate I, – I don't just say that. I, I really appreciate what the players – what the players is and what they do, and I mean that from the from the bottom of my heart. You asked an interesting question about the uh, about the effect of the elevated events. Explain to people what that is, because I didn't want to uh, take up Jared's time with us going through that. But explain to people what we all know why they came about. A little bit of a, a response to the obviously to the uh, to the live tour. But explain to people what it is. Yeah, I mean my sense of it, and I haven't looked at it since they announced it, but is that certain events were going to get elevated, which would guarantee. Uh, better, deeper fields, and substantially more prize Bigger money. Bigger purses. That was the biggest yeah, thing. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, they live obviously has all this money that they're throwing at it. I don't know what they're really getting in return for it. Um, but uh, but <laughs> has all this money. A whole lot of nothing <laughs> so far. And uh, um, so, yeah, so it was basically a response saying, well, hang on, you know, let's do what we can to make it financially, you know, equal as, as best we can and and so yeah so i know the waste management this week is is one as jared mentioned i want to say what there's seven or eight i think something to that effect again i haven't looked at it since they announced it 
but you will hear that throughout the golf season that certain events are going to be elevated and again i think i think it also had to do with players were willing the elite players were willing to commit to a certain number of starts uh was a was a component of it as well so again these events that that have gotten elevated status they're going to have great fields it's not going to be what the players championship is because they get everybody that's healthy but uh it's uh, it, it's going to be uh, it's going to add a lot of uh, excitement, I think, to some events that tended to get lost beyond the majors and the players' championship. Yeah. So looking at it, the purses in total for 2022, 215 million, increased 100 million dollars for 2023 to 315 million. One of those being the players, like Jared said, last year 20 million, this year 25 million, and as we know, the the players is the highest of all of these tournaments. So most of them increased uh, by a, a certainly a good amount, including Memorial from 12 million to $20 million. So yeah, yeah it, it's certainly, if you're a really good PGA Tour golfer, it's worth it to stay on the PGA Tour. And did Jared say that the players champion this year is getting 4.25 million? That is... The purse is 25. Whoo. Yeah. That's, yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. unbelievable. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it, it is. And so, um, and, and, and the other thing I said to him, and I meant this, <laughs> Boy, Rory, it's rare to say. I mean, I think Rory is more of a hero on tour because right now is he, of the guys that are on the tour, members of the tour, is he the most recognizable guy? By a mile. By a mile. Because say what you want, Mickelson was as recognizable. With Tiger not there, Mickelson was the most recognizable guy. I think more Rory by a mile now. By, by a, a mile. By a mile. And, uh, and he is going to have uh, such – fantastic crowd support i think that's only going to increase again this netflix show that's going to debut in a week uh called full swing is going to really take you inside of golf last year and everything that happened and it wasn't their intention my understanding is it wasn't really the filmmaker's intention for it to be a live golf pga tour thing it was just we want to document the golf season in 2022 start to finish so they were granted this amazing access to players and what goes on behind the scenes. And then the live controversy was born and it is going to be fantastic. And I think Rory McIlroy is obviously going to be a big part of full swing. And I think his popularity is only going to grow if that's possible, because right now, I mean, he is such a popular player. And the other great thing about it is I think he's going to have a huge year. This could absolutely be the year that Rory wins his first Masters and gets the career Grand Slam. He absolutely could win the Players' Championship. I, I don't know that we're going to have a year where a single golfer wins three or four huge events because it is so deep, but I would be stunned if Rory McIlroy doesn't have a big, big win in 2023 when you're talking about the Players' four majors. He will win one of those five events. Yeah, he just has to hope that I don't pick him. Or if this is the year that anyone else starts to do terrible in golf that they don't pick him. But, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. We were talking about Trevor Lawrence, how he now has a chip on his shoulder. Rory McIlroy, I don't think, really needed to have a chip on his shoulder for the longest time because he's one of the best golfers in the world. Well, now, once Liv came about, it created that chip on his shoulder. And so he's got that competitive fire back in him. And it's been so much fun to watch. He was asked if he's the best player in the world. And he said, I'm playing really well right now. Yeah. That's, that's his confident, uh, not overly cocky response. I am interested to see the first tournament of this kind, of this ilk, with, at least for us, 
with no live guys. You know, I mean, it's going to be. I mean, I don't honestly. I really you're don't not going to miss anybody. You're going to notice it. Yeah, you think? I mean, because the only one that I think was uh, a loss in terms of a guy that it seems like most people at some point in the week are going to be curious about mm-hmm. is DJ. You know, because Dustin Johnson's very consistent. He still is young enough to uh, to really contend and have huge years. Uh, that's the only one that I think was like. There's going to be a, a maybe a little bit something where you kind of are like, what about the? Oh yeah, DJ doesn't play in this. Yeah. Um, but I mean, to be honest, like Cam Smith, I don't think has been around long enough to really generate that. He had a great year last year, and but Sergio's I, kind of past his prime, well beyond yeah. past. So as Mickelson's far as, well beyond past. Yep. Bubba Watson is well beyond past. What about Paul Casey though? Hey, uh, he's the Ayatollah. <laughs> Other than him, and I, I certainly don't think anyone's going to the players to look for Patrick Reed. No. Yeah, I mean, I, unless you just want to heckle somebody. But, but, you, but you're true. right. You're right. No, but other than Mickelson and DJ, there's nobody there that had much fan juice. Uh, around. Bubba Watson once upon a time, but of late, other than the pink driver, nobody really walked out there to see Bubba. Oh. You, you, if you were walking around and Bubba was teeing off, you didn't stick around very long. You know. Phil, you did, and DJ, you did. Uh, Cam Smith was a great champion here. But I, other than the fact that he won here, you weren't spending a lot of time watching Cam Smith. You know, no disrespect to the local guy, but you really weren't. Patrick Reed, you're right. Nobody, I mean, Patrick Reed's a very talented player, but he's ornery enough that nobody, yeah, I agree with you. I, I may, you know, you probably won't, that's a great point. Now that I've brought it up, there's not one part of me that is going to, before I go out there, say, oh, man, I'm disappointed, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's not. There's, there's, there's not. Maybe DJ more than Phil for me because I don't think Phil was going to be much of a factor. But, no, I, I, don't, I think you're right. I mean, and Kepka has sort of admitted that he's sort of lost his desire to do what it takes to, to be great. He's certainly been an unbelievable major champion, but it seems like he's kind of resting on his laurels at this point in his career. DeChambeau is such a Erratic eccentric player. person <laughs> that – it doesn't seem like – I mean, there's somewhat of a curiosity to him because, obviously, you know, of, of, of the length and things like that. But uh, I, just, I just don't think there's a lot there. I, I mean, I think when you see the tee times for the Players' Championship, when they come out, I, guess, I suppose, on Tuesday uh, of that week, I think you're going to look at the featured groups and be like, I can't wait to go watch – these two or three, and probably more, but I mean, there it is. It is still an incredibly deep tour filled with stars. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, let's say hello to Jim Nagy, the outstanding executive director of the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl is in the books. Uh, what did uh, Jim glean from that? That's next. Stay with us. Welcome back to the program. Frank Frangie along with Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks with you, Andrew Gibson, back at World Headquarters. What a pleasure to bring in Jim Nagy, the outstanding executive director of the Senior Bowl, who joins us now at the, as the Senior Bowl is put to bed and we start looking ahead. Jim, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm great. Good to be back on. Are you guys out, are you guys out in the desert right now at the Super Bowl? We are not. We're actually here in Jacksonville still. We did not make it. It was a long season for us, Jim, so we're still here in town, my man. We, are, we did not make a, our way. Yeah, it was a great season for you guys. Oh, Congratulations fantastic. on that fantastic season we had a, we had a great time and it was a great time but we wish it was even longer as a matter of fact so so exactly right hey i got a lot of questions about this year's we got a couple of florida offensive linemen i want to ask you about a lot of players uh they kind of jumped off the page there but let me start with this it's been five years maybe five six years now since you've been doing this 
Is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, this was this was game five. This is game five. Is it where you want it? Is it where you thought it would be when you took over the Senior Bowl, Jim? Uh, you know, I didn't really think long term like that. I'm just really trying to take it year to year with different sets of goals. And you know, I'm I'm happy with where it's at right now. We've grown it quite a bit. Our our draft numbers are way up. We've added different events to the to the to the uh, you know the weekly calendar to grow the event. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're always trying to get better. That's what this week is about. We're debriefing right now and figuring out what went well and what didn't go so well. And Things we can improve on, but uh, no, I, I feel like we've uh, grown the game quite a bit in the last five years. Hey, Jim, it's Hayes. Great to talk with you again. Uh, obviously, tons of standouts uh, at every Senior Bowl. Who were some players that uh, caught your eye? And, and tell us about the, the players that were voted uh, best at their position throughout the week. Yeah, you know, I, the, the, the running joke during the week is when, when players ask me how they're doing and whatnot and what I see, I tell all of them nobody watches less of what's going on in the field than me because um, I am, I am you know basically playing mayor all week. I'm walking around and, and thanking the NFL guys for coming and college, we have a lot of I think we had 42 college head coaches come in this year, so a lot of that going on. So I've got a lot of tape to catch up on here uh, in Mobile the next couple of weeks. These are these are really my favorite two weeks of the year where I can just sit back and my phone stops ringing and. Uh, we can watch some tape, but no, on a nightly basis, I touch base with a lot of guys around the league just to get a heads up on, on who's looking good. And then, you know, we do a poll at the end of the week with uh, someone from all 32 teams, get a vote um, on practice player of the week and all that stuff. And I, I would say the main, you know, the big winner, there was a lot of them. Um, I feel like we've got eight to 12 guys that could be in the first, in the first round after the week. But um, Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane was probably the big winner. Uh, he was voted our, our overall practice player of the week and, he finished off a, a great career at Tulane uh, with a five-touchdown performance in the in uh, the Cotton Bowl against USC, and then he he just continued it on here. He's he's a really a dynamic back. He's he's a he's a big play threat. He's one of those guys. He's he's great in the open field. He's got great instincts. He feels pursued. He knows how to set guys up, and then and then he's got you know another gear. So um, I'd say of all the guys that help themselves the most, probably probably Tajik. Hi, Jim. This is Lauren. Thanks so much for joining us. Are you familiar with all three of the Eagles quarterbacks? Uh, yes, we, we, had all, we had all three of them in the game uh, during my time here. We had Gardner Minshew my first year and then, and then Jalen a couple years later and then, and then Ian Book um, couple, the, the next year after that. So, yeah, we've, we've had all the Eagles guys here. What do you think of Jalen? Are you surprised Jalen Hurts? I, I mean, I am. I, I loved him as a college player, both Alabama and Oklahoma. But I didn't see this. I, I'll be honest with you. Did you expect him to, 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 to be this good in the NFL? No, absolutely not. No, I'd, I'd be lying to you if I, if I thought, you know, if I would say that. I, but what I, what I will say is, you know, he's a good lesson for all evaluators because I think when you have a work ethic like Jalen um, and a competitiveness like Jalen, like you can't put a ceiling on, on those players. Uh, they're just – he's a maniacal worker. Um, that goes back to his time in college. Um, you know, just hearing stories that came out of Tuscaloosa and, and Oklahoma about this guy's weight room work ethic, which for a quarterback was was rare. Um, those guys don't usually spend a lot of time in the weight room. But no, when we when he came down here, we had him graded in the fourth round. Uh, most of the league that had him in the fourth, fifth round. I didn't talk to any team that year prior to the Senior Bowl that had him had him in a day two grade. You know, and a lot of people, you can just go back on Twitter and pull up some of those old takes. There's People thought Jalen. People thought the Eagles really reached for Jalen in the second round. I think he went like 50th or 51 overall. 
you know, and now in hindsight, if we if we redraft that draft, he's you know a top top one or two pick, top three pick. So um, no, I, I did not see this coming. Um, but again, he got he's he's gotten better every single year of you know since his freshman year at Tuscaloosa. The guy just keeps getting better. So um, and credit to the Eagles front office in uh, coaching staff for sticking with him another year. There was a lot of a lot of public outcry that uh, in Philly that you know they maybe he's not a franchise quarterback and they should really look to get another guy in last year's draft. And, and they stuck to Jalen, gave him another year in that system. And, and now look what he's done. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for him. Yeah, absolutely. Jim, we're certainly excited about our franchise quarterback here in Jacksonville. What was your opinion of, of the growth the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence showed this season? And, and where do you think the Jaguars should go next now as they get into this off season? Well, I, I would say this. I think the thing I'd be most excited about, just like I, the same breath that I, I brought up Jalen, I mean, year one to year two uh, with Doug Peterson, is, I think, is a fan base. That's why I'm most excited. He played great this year. I think it shows the importance of uh, what's around the quarterback and who's in that room with them. And, and, you know, and that's just such a critical relationship. You know, other than GM head coach, I think G, the head coach quarterback is, probably the most important relationship in the building. And, and, and my relationship with Doug goes way back. I've known Doug. He was my first year in the NFL in 96. He was, he was our, our uh, number three quarterback with the Green Bay Packers. And um, great guy. It does not surprise me at all that he's been a great head coach. Kind of saw that in him back when he was playing. And, and he got the best out of Trevor. And I think the best is yet to come. I mean, now they can just continue to put pieces around him and, and build around him and, um, incredible that he, he got him as far as he did this year with just in his first year with uh with Dougie Jim I think Hendon Hooker might actually be pretty good the Tennessee quarterback obviously couldn't play in the game since he was injured but what did you uh make of him coming to senior bowl yeah that was a one-off deal for us um we don't we don't like to make a habit of bringing injured players but uh you know with with Hendon it was a different case I think with the quarterback position they can really benefit from the classroom time and the interview time more so than than even most positions so and then he was he was one of the, the, the you know the big names of college football this year until he got hurt um, I think he would have been in New York for the Heisman and and uh, you know I got to meet Hendon at the Manning camp last summer and then again I went up to uh, to Knoxville in August to speak to the team and spend some time with him then he's just He's a special guy. He he deserved it. He deserved the opportunity to come up here and uh, connect with the, with all the coaches and the in the front office guys. And I'm sure he did a good job. I haven't really fished out feedback from those guys yet, but I'm sure he did a great job in all that stuff. The coaches did said he did a good job in meetings, but the, the team interview stuff I haven't heard much about yet. But uh, no, he he was the one guy. We had two quarterbacks really ascend from day three to day two on our board this year, and that was Hennon Hooker and Bo Nix. Um, from Oregon, you know, Bo went back to school and Hendon obviously had a, a monster year. And then the ACL, that's, that's the wild card. Like what is the, what is the knee do to him? Um, but, but uh, when the season ended, we had Hendon in the third round. So um, hopefully, hopefully he goes to a good spot and he gets that knee right and uh, has a chance to excel. Jim Nagy with us from the uh, senior bowl, two Florida Gator offensive linemen, Osiris Torrance, very highly regarded guard and Richard garage, a left tackle here at Florida. What'd you think of those guys, Jim? Uh, yeah, I'll first say this about Saibo. Um, he, you know, I credit Osiris a lot that he came here and, and wanted to compete because a lot of players just read the mock draft stuff and they, and they shouldn't. It's really dangerous. Um, you know, those mock drafts, mock drafts can be wrong and they are wrong every year. Um, and he didn't put stock in that stuff. He was, you know, getting a lot of first round love in the mock draft stuff and he still wanted to come down here and 
and connect with the teams and show himself. And he had a really good week. You know, he's, he's more of a guard only um, for the next level. I think he can maybe play tackle in a pinch, but uh, it's hard to be a one position guy in the NFL unless you are a, like a frontline starter. And that's certainly what, what Cybro projects to be. You know, he's just a big, strong man and uh, had, a, had a really good week. And then Richard was a guy that uh, the Florida staff was trying to get back. Um, you know, hoping to get another year there. And, and so we kind of played that out with him. I was trying not to influence players' decisions to stay or leave. So we kind of waited on Richard's invite until he figured out what he was going to do. And, and I'm glad we got him because, um, he, you know, he, he flipped both sides and played right and left And after playing left there at Florida. And, uh, you know, I haven't got into the tape too much with, with what that looked like. But I know um, having him here, he's, he was really a great kid to have behind the scenes. He was a really good person, really grateful he was the first place, first first player after the game to find me on the field and and thank me, which I never expect players to do, but it's, sometimes it's nice when they do that. Um, but yeah, the, the feedback I've received from the the guys in the league right now is that he had a good week. Jim, we know that you're looking at the Jaguars and in, in that 24th pick that edge rusher, corner, uh, tight end could possibly be uh, uh, in play there. Uh, at those three positions, did you like what? the the buzz was with the the players that you had uh for the senior bowl yeah if you're if you're looking to uh you know project a guy in that 24 spot i don't know if we had a corner um we had devin witherspoon from illinois committed to play in the game and uh i got had to get after my buddy daniel jeremiah as soon as daniel put him up at number six in his overall rankings um that's when devin witherspoon pulled out of the senior bowl so uh dj got us on that one but at 24 if you're looking edge uh, a guy that had a great week down here that I think is going to be a first round pick. Now we had him, we had a, like a, an early second round grade here. I think he's going to end up in the versus Derek Hall from Auburn, uh, big, powerful, fast in a straight line, uh, had a really good week in one-on-ones had a really good week set in the edge. So that would certainly be a guy that, that would be in that 24 range. And then at tight end, I would say Luke Musgrave from Oregon state. Uh, it's got a chance to be the first tight end taken this in this year's draft. He's six six. He's two sixty. Um, he clocked some ridiculous zebra times on our zebra uh, technology with the tracking data, and he made a bunch of plays down the seam. So he only played two games this fall. So last week in Mobile was a big week for him, and and he took full advantage of it. So I, I do think Luke could be in play there at twenty four as well. Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl. Great work as always. Let me squeeze in one more guy before we let you go here. Um, Xavier Hutchinson's from here. He's from Bartram nearby in Jacksonville. Went to play at Iowa State, and we kind of uh, we didn't follow him as closely. Turned into a terrific wide receiver out there, and I think he had a pretty good week at the Senior Bowl. What did you think of Xavier when you saw him out there? Yeah, Blitnikoff finalist. Um, really good player. It, the, the biggest thing for he's crafty. He's uh, you know he probably projects as a possession type receiver, and I say that you know with with with. Uh, with all admiration, that's not a negative thing at all. He's a guy that's going to get open and move the chains and be very QB friendly. He's good at the top of a route. He knows how to set guys up and, and create space for the quarterback, and he did that all week. Um, he's the guy that when I, when I was able to watch the field and pay attention to what was going on, um, some of the one-on-one stuff was really good. He was a hard guy to cover um, because he's got that craftiness to him. He knows how to change gears and set guys up. And um, Yeah, really nice, really nice week. I did not know he was from the state of Florida, so you're, you're – um, that was, I had no idea he was from over there. Yeah, yeah, Jacksonville guy, and we're proud of him, no question about it. Jim Nagy, great work as always. Yeah, I've told you this before, Jim. I, with all due respect to your predecessor and predecessors, uh, the Senior Bowl has taken on a whole different look since you've been doing it. You do a great job on it, and we uh, appreciate you spending some time, Jim. I mean that very much. Thanks for joining us. 
Well, that means a lot. Thanks for having me back on, and uh, hopefully we can do it closer to the draft. We'll do it for sure. Jim Nagy talking uh, uh, senior bowl and a whole lot more. Back in a moment. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. All right, your chance to win our second pair of tickets to go see the Beach Boys Saturday, February 25th at the Amp is right now. Be caller number 4-641-1010. Caller number 4-641-1010. That concert in just a couple weeks. And the Amp, if you've never been there, is a fantastic venue in St. Augustine. Good vibrations by the Beach Boys. Yeah, that, that I would say, is that the anthem? Is, is California Girls the anthem? That's what I would think. Maybe California Girls. I would think California Girls. Yeah, yeah. Or Surfing USA. But yeah, yeah, that was in their surfing collection. You know, Little yeah. Surfer Girls, Surfer Collection. Barbara Ann, they got a handful of them, you know. Fun, fun, fun. There's probably about four or five mm-hmm. that are kind of all lumped in there together. But uh, love the Beach Boys. So Mike, Mike Love is 81, you guys told me. Mm-hmm. And he'll be in, and he'll be in St. Aug on – Whatever day, what day did you say? February twenty fifth. He'll be on. He'll be in Saint Aug on the twenty fifth, entertaining. He's eighty one. I think that's freaking cool, isn't it? It's awesome. I mean, eighty one years old. He'll be singing Little Surfer Girl. They're probably going to be phenomenal. Yeah. They, oh yeah. You've seen him. Have you seen him? I've never seen him. Yeah, I know you have. I have. That was my very first concert for free back in the day. And I think I was. Pro- I told you this before. I think I was probably there because I, I have seen the Beach Boys at Met Park. So it might have been like way back in the day. So and I've seen the Beach Boys four or five times. You know what? I think I actually, I think I actually was really little and went. I yeah. think they played like a free show. They've yeah. played free shows in Jacksonville yeah. before. Yeah. At like yeah. yeah, I was sixteen I when the the time I got to see them for free at Met I Park. was if I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure my dad took me, and yeah. I was yeah. I was probably might, eight or nine. Might have been younger, yeah, young, earlier. But when you were at 16, that would have been like 98, whatever, 98. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I'm almost sure I was at that show because I, I would bet you I was at that show. So uh, It looks I, like Mike Love and Bruce Johnston will definitely be there. Okay, okay. And so uh, so no, Alan Jardine is not with them anymore? That is what I'm finding. Yeah, Mike Love's the lead. The lead singer for the Beach Boys was Mike Love sang the lower parts, and the Wilsons alternated. Usually Carl Wilson had the great voice, but Brian Wilson sometimes sang – the high ports, too. All right. So, again, congratulations to the winners for today. If you don't win the tickets, of course, you can buy them. Just go to theamp.com. All right. A little bit of news from earlier this afternoon. Florida State head football coach Mike Norvell has now signed a multi-year contract extension. He signed through 2029, which would be his 10th season if he makes it that far. And he's now up to a little over $8 million per year. How about that? Boy, they make a lot of money. Those guys. Good for them. Uh, look, the, bo- <laughs> the, bo- the bottom line is, the, the real bottom line in this whole thing is the FSU might have found their guy, you know. And, uh, and FSU might have found their guy. You know, I thought about I was thinking about this earlier. Flor- Florida State had this great run of football baseball when they had Bobby Bowden and Mike Martin Sr., okay. And I mean, they weren't all the same years. They're a lot of the same years. Two of the, two of the greatest coaches, one who never got a title, Mike Martin, one who took a while but finally got one title or got two titles in Bobby Bowden. But what happens when you have legendary coaches, it's hard to replace them, and you take, it takes two or three guys to try and replace them. And when you, it, I don't care if it's Bear Bryant or Bobby Bowden or Vince Dooley or who your guy is, it sometimes will be a while before you can be that again. Now, you might have some early success, but it's a while for, I mean, there was Jimbo Fisher had early success, but then it got tough for a long time. Urban Meyer had early success after Spurrier, but then it got, it's still tough for a long time. 
So if you have a coach that's been a legendary coach, it's hard because you haven't been in the job pursuit thing in a long time. Florida State endured some bad years now, as we all know, in football and really baseball. I mean, by their standards, they weren't ever terrible in baseball, but a, a team that is, that, that's been to Omaha, what, 20-some times? Um, really struggled. Well, I think now they might have hired the best baseball coach in America. Certainly, if Link Jarrett's not the best coach, he's certainly on the, on the ballot, his best coach in America. Uh, he, got, he got Notre Dame to Omaha. With all due respect, Notre Dame doesn't get to Omaha. Okay, he got Notre Dame to Omaha, and he's a Tallahassee guy, Florida State guy that went back to the job he always wanted. And I'm telling you, we'll know more this year, but they might have found their guy in football at Mike Norvell, an unlikely guy, unassuming from the get-go, but he might be the Florida State coach for a long, long time. Yeah, he might be. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see, you know, what this extension holds uh, for Florida State. And Mike Norvell, and, and again, they've got something special right now. I mean, to have all the players come back uh, dedicated to winning a, a conference and perhaps national championship, the work that he's done with Jordan Travis, uh, the work that he's done in the transfer portal, his 2024 recruiting class looks like it uh, could certainly be the best one that he has signed. Uh, so there's a lot of things moving in the right direction for Florida State. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's a lock that, Correct. that this is something that they are glad they did three years from now. But I, I understand certainly the extension. Uh, I, ex- I understand the, the compensation. Um, but I, I, I still feel like there's, the jury's still a little bit out on Mike Norvell because we've only really seen one season. And he is going to have to prove he can do it when Jordan Travis leaves. Yeah, that, well, that's a fair point. I mean, I, mean I, I, I've liked him for a while, probably longer than y'all have. I really think he's, I, I think they've got something special. I really do. But I agree with what you just said. We don't know. You know, you, you never know until. I mean, listen, Dan Mullen was the the ultimate cautionary tale. Dan Mullen looked like, I mean, his first two years, they found Florida. We found the guy, man. This guy is the next Spurrier. Uh, the sky's the limit. He's winning 10 games his first two years. He's calling plays. He's the best play caller in the league. That thing was going to go forever until poof it didn't, right? So, so Mullen is the proof. It takes a while before you know. He never – Dan Mullen, once he's had to start recruiting his own guys, it ended. And it ended – I mean, if you ever think about how, the, how quickly the Dan Mullen thing collapsed, pretty bizarre. You know that it's pretty bizarre how that how that thing collapsed. So, but 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 given the information we have now, yeah, look, it, it would look right now like Florida State's got a pretty good guy in this guy. I, I uh, I'll be very interested to watch all of it, how spring goes, how how you, I mean how how they're perceived in the magazines. Are they a top ten team, which most people expect that they will be? You know, I mean, I'm the whole the whole paradigm has shifted. Florida State. When it, even, even last year, they went into last season being a school that used to be good, right? They, 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 they were last year the school that used to be good. And by the end of the season, they looked like the school that might be good again. I guess that's kind of the point. Well, he's got everything going in the right direction as far as transfer portal. It seems like NIL, they're doing a great job. I, I saw Florida State has the second best transfer portal class for this season. The one thing, Hayes, to me that I don't know that I would be as thrilled about is recruiting. I think 19th is 
too low if you're going to be given a contract extension and now be making over $8 million a year. We've already seen Deion Sanders start to be able to recruit a little better at Colorado than so far Mike Norvell has been able to do it at Florida State. And, and again, I, I would agree. The class that he just signed I think is disappointing. But how much of that was really until the last six weeks of the season, they weren't – the perception wasn't that, oh, boy, look at Florida State. They certainly didn't have a lot of momentum entering the year. Then they picked some up with beating LSU and, and things like that. Then you lose three straight, and, the, you know, everybody kind of, oh, here we go. Now they won out from there. Uh, but they really didn't get any sort of huge statement win. They beat a, a basically a pathetic Florida team uh, barely in their house. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, then they won their bowl game. So now they've got the 24 class is going to see for a full year, okay, he's figured it out. There's expectations. This is a place I can go in and win and compete for national titles. So now that perception will see what Mike Norvell can do with. And so far, he's doing really great. I think Florida State, the last I looked, had nine commitments in the 2024 class and uh, uh, was third or fourth in the 24-7 uh, sports fourth. rankings. Yep, fourth. fourth. So, I mean, that's obviously, that's fantastic. Now, again, it's early. The last one I checked, Texas Tech was seventh, and we know that's not going to hold. Now sixth. Sixth. So, obviously, that's all you need to know. Yeah. It, it's obviously early if Texas Tech is sixth in recruiting. South because by the time we get to the end of it, Texas Tech isn't going to be in the top 20. Uh, so it's early, but it's it's a good start. He does need the 2024 class to come in. I'd say, like, in the top 14 is reasonable, a reasonable expectation. If it's outside of that, then, yes, I, I would be concerned about uh, how well he yep. does as a recruiter. Here's what's interesting. So, so for the Florida State football season, they start with LSU. That is going to be two top ten teams. It's going to be a pick 'em game. That's game day. Yeah, it's uh, game. Well, it's a night game, but you but get it's my. It, it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, it's a big. big it's going to have all the hype. But maybe the, it's a Sunday game, and maybe the biggest game of the weekend. So, so they could win, but they could lose that game. Three weeks later, they're at Clemson. They get Clemson early. Now. They get Clemson, and and it's on the road. Now, I think FSU is as good as Clemson. I'm not sure they're better than Clemson, but I mean they're right there. But you can get off to this rousing 4-0 start, and if you do, Katie bar the door. Virginia Tech at home, Syracuse at home, Duke at home, um, at Wake Forest without Sam Hartman. Uh, at Pitt, yeah, we'll see. Well, Pitt changes quarterbacks every year. Home against Miami, who hasn't been very good. North Alabama, and then who knows what will be at Florida. So you go 4-0, Katie bar the door. The other side of that is you also could start 2-2. Two and two. And I think if you start 2-2, two and two, because of all the momentum, you or because of all the excitement, you could lose momentum more than a two and two season ordinarily would lose for you. That's the thing that you know we talked about a week or so ago when the schedule got finalized. Is Florida State's going to have to do a really good job if they encounter some adversity. If they lose to LSU, do not let that bleed over. Now they're lucky in the sense that LSU and Clemson are three weeks apart, so you don't usually have a game bleed over but there will be a lot of pressure on them going to Clemson if they lose to LSU now again it might be moot they might beat LSU in Orlando and then you go into Clemson and and they might win that game and even if they were to lose to Clemson that would be incredibly disappointing because you're probably not uh, um, 
Oh, well, I say that the divisions are gone. So even if they lose to Clemson, they probably could still be in that top two and get a rematch against the Tigers in the ACC title game. So, but I, I do think if if they start two and two, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Mike Norvell. And and again, that may not happen. But if it happens, that's going to be a real test because obviously at that point, it's you know you're not you're you're out of the the playoff hunt in all likelihood because again the problem FSU runs into they do not have the opportunity for statement wins particularly if Florida is 6 and 6 again no one's going to care that you go into the swamp and beat Florida if they if they're what they were the last couple of years uh, so that makes it difficult for them to have the argument if they lost to LSU and to Clemson yeah, outside of LSU and Clemson, there's not another team on the schedule that should scare FSU. Unlike last season going into it, we certainly talked about how good Wake Forest was going to be with Sam Hartman returning. And Louisville certainly presented a challenge, although FSU won that game. I think at in NC State with Devin Leary, this schedule is fairly easy, especially the way that Miami is now. And like you said, Florida, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, Duke, Pitt. North Alabama, I mean, their schedule is really front-loaded, which is where certainly Mike Norvell is going to have to talk to his guys all summer long about how important that first month is. And don't discount the game at Florida at the end of the year. Number one, it's at Florida, which means in all likelihood 90,000 people will be there. By then we'll know if Florida's ordinary or better than we think. And let's be fair here now. Florida was 6-7 and seven last year. Florida State won 10 games. That game was at Doak Campbell – at night, and it came down to a Hail Mary at the end of the game. I mean, it's not like Florida State put 45-3 to on Florida like they did Miami a couple weeks earlier. They beat Florida in a game that was tied until the, to the last four or five minutes, right? Yeah, wasn't yeah. Florida like the Florida State basically 30 on yeah. the final play? It yeah. wasn't even really a Hail Mary. Yeah, yeah. So, so the point is it was a very close game. Absolutely. So we don't know what Florida and Florida State will be. My expectation is that Florida will be better than they were last year. I really believe that. Uh, and I've got, I'm going to talk about this more next hour. But Anthony Richardson threw 17 touchdowns and nine picks and completed 54%. Now, he ran for a bunch of touchdowns. He ran for like eight or nine touchdowns, too. He ran for 600 yards. But as a passer, 17 and nine, 54%. Whether it's Mertz. Jack Miller, very interesting, by the way. Napier said he is going to bring in another quarterback. Yeah. But whether it's, whether it's one of the, those two guys or the new guy, is it safe to assume that, the, that the, the guy who wins that job will be better than 17 and 9 and 54%? You would think. Now, he's not going to do the other things. You can't discount the running things Richardson sure. did. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a good chance. I think Florida's receivers will be better. Uh, again, because that was, I thought, a, a pretty poor unit last year. Uh, I think they've got a couple freshmen coming in uh, at that position. They certainly could have roles where they could make major impacts in, in terms of explosive plays. Um, so, yeah, I, and I think the offensive line, I, I think Florida will have more cohesiveness yeah. with it being Napier's second year. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, I would expect the passing numbers, even if it's Mertz, that those – would Richardson's numbers would be surpassed yeah. and surpassed as a passer. by a wide margin. Yeah, as a passer. You know, we'll take a break. When we come back, I'm going to reset it a little bit for you. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, we talked about it all during the first part of the show, but it was a big enough deal to me that I'm going to talk about it again. Trevor Lawrence penned an interesting, a fantastic letter in the Players' Tribune to Jaguar fans. We'll talk about that. We'll talk some college basketball. A uh, big night as well coming up. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. 
I said a little earlier, just equal parts crushed by the, the loss and that our season ends here and knowing how close we were. And then on the, on the flip side, being proud of, of what we were able to do and accomplish and what we were able to overcome. I mean, it's, I'm gonna have more time to think about it and reflect on it. <clears throat> we'll have plenty of time to do that and it's gonna make us better. And this, this, won't, be, this won't be the last you guys hear of us. So we're gonna be back. The comments of Trevor Lawrence uh, after the uh, Chiefs loss, and uh, he kind of uh, reiterated that um, in today's letter in the Players' Tribune. It was addressed. Athletes often write in the Players' Tribune. It's become great, a, a great vehicle for, for the athletes themselves to say what's on their mind. You wonder sometimes are agents saying it or are they, are they help with it, and I don't know that. Trevor today, the one I read today, really felt like it came from him. Uh, he, he, if you have not read it yet, find it. We, we have tweeted it out on our, on our Twitter uh, feed here at 1010XL. But it's Trevor Lawrence saying thank you, Duvall, and really talking about how important the fans are to him, how important Jacksonville is to him, how at home he feels here, and how excited he is about moving forward. Uh, he's very honest about it. He said when things went bad the first year, how much it stung him. He said he heard it. He heard it personally when they called him a bust. He said, I know people called me a bust and used the word bust. And he said, and that, that, that motivated me, which is, which is great stuff. He talked about um, how close he is to Doug Peterson. He talked about looking up into the stands down 27 to nothing and nobody was leaving. Uh, it was really good stuff. It was real. It was visceral. You could really tell that this was a guy who connects with his. And he wanted the, the – there was no reason to write it other than to say thank you to the, these great, great fans of Jacksonville that have waited so long. It was, I'm not trying to be corny, but it's one of the coolest things I've ever read from an athlete. And it, it underscores one more time what a spectacular person. We know what a good player. What a spectacular person we have in Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence. Sounds corny, I know. It's another, I tell you how great Trevor is. I know. You can think that if you want. But I, I, it was really cool to read. It was, and I agree with all that. And it was great just to see the edge that, that he has because I think that was something that you didn't really know when Trevor arrived. You knew about the, the generational label, certainly the magnificent skill set, the frame, the mobility, the arm strength, the winning in college, uh, dissecting Nick Saban's Alabama team uh, is a true freshman to win the national title, all that great stuff. Uh, but he had comments in the draft process about, you know, football isn't everything for me and, uh, and you know, which some people didn't love hearing. And uh, I think we needed to see the competitor come out a little bit. And I think in this letter it absolutely did in terms of what the expectations are going to be moving forward and, and how much losing an arrowhead in the divisional game eats at him. And that's great. That's what you have to have. You've got to have competitive hate in you to be great. And I think, it, I think Trevor showed us a side of that in this that we haven't really seen a ton publicly. Uh, and I think it's great to see because if he has that, he's ready to be a king in this league. And that's what I think we're seeing. I think we're seeing uh, a young man at 23 getting ready to assume uh, – a throne in the NFL, uh, not as is, is perhaps the only king, but certainly one of just a few in this great league. Yeah, to me, we finally get to see a peek into the leader that he is in the locker room. 
if he's saying this to the fans, to Duval, to all of Jacksonville, imagine what he's saying and how eloquently yeah. he's saying that to the guys that are fighting with him on that team. I, I understand that he went through an awful season last year, but I think it's made him, going through that awful, disastrous season, I think has forged him into being a better quarterback and a better person and a better leader. Yeah, yeah. What, what doesn't kill you makes you better, and, and, that, and that's right about that. So we'll, so, so we'll say I'm excited about that. I'm excited about all of it. I, I'm excited about him. I mean, I, again, I, I said this to you guys yes, yesterday in the program. felt kind of corny when I was saying it. <laughs> but – I am so excited about what we're in for. There's no debating it. There, 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 there can be no de- Now, look, everybody can get hurt or something terrible can happen. You know, you, can, you, you get bad breaks. But, I mean, barring something crazy, I, I am, golly, I am so excited about what we're in for. What's coming, man? I mean, <laughs> we're, I mean like you like said yesterday, the lowest they'll be in a power pole is 10th, Right? Everybody's going to pick them to win the division. The schedule, and I'll say this. I think Prisco pointed it out to me. We have focused so much. I have. I have focused so much on the difficulty of the first-place schedule because that means you get the Chiefs and you get the Bengals and you get whoever, all these good 49ers. You get all these good teams. Well, if you get beyond that, it's an easy schedule because you get six against a struggling division. And you get four against a really bad NFC division. So ten games are against against Chief, uh, Chief, Colts, Texans, Titans, Falcons, Saints, Bucks, Panthers. That's ten of your seventeen games. Now look, that doesn't mean they're all going. Someone can't get better. That doesn't mean the Titans. I, I still have great respect for the Titans. They have a toughness about them. They know how to play. They're not rolling over. But that's ten games of your seventeen games. Ten of them that. Is it safe to say I feel pretty good that they might, if you had a guess right now, they'd be favored in those 10 games? I, I, you're right. There's some road games in it. But Certainly you, favored in but you get the eight point. of them. But yeah. you get the point. There's 10 games that, are, that, that right now as we sit here on February 8th don't look grueling. I guess that's the point. Yeah, and right now I'd say if I told you all that which these are on the schedule, Steelers yeah, and that's Browns all, that's and, 12. and Ravens. Like it, Ravens pretty good, but Jaguars beat them. Certainly last year, but Steelers and Browns—they certainly don't scare you. So yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, I th- yeah. Ra- Ravens still scare me more than the Steelers and Browns. The Ravens still there's for me there's more there. But you sure, but, to but your you point, go into it going we beat right, that team last right, year. Right, that's right. I think what also stood out to me about what Trevor wrote in the Players Tribune Hayes is he felt what we all felt as well. Like the quarterback of that team went into the grocery store and felt the same thing that. Our friends and family talked about it. We talked about it on the air. He actually felt that, and I think that's really special. It is, and it's great to uh, see Trevor write about his affinity for Jacksonville and living here, and this is where he and his wife Marissa want to stay. That's, that's awesome to hear. I mean, that was another concern of, you know, will Trevor Lawrence be happy here? I think for the most part everybody that was here knew it would be unfounded. Um, and, uh, but it's great to see because, look, we're seeing it. And uh, we're seeing it in Baltimore. It, you know, sometimes keeping your franchise quarterback can be tricky and can be dicey. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen here. Uh, Trevor Lawrence wants to be here, which is great. Uh, obviously, the franchise wants to have him. I don't think you're going to see a, a lot of squabbling. I think uh, what Trevor wants, Trevor's probably going to get. And, uh, 
uh, it's great to see because, again, if, if a player doesn't want to play for you, you really, in their first-round pick, you really only have six years. Then it gets really tricky because you're not going to continue to tag somebody. You can't really do it. And so you get the five-year contract. You get the one-year of the franchise tag. Maybe you could do it twice, but certainly not into year eight. And, again, not that I think anybody was really worrying about this with Trevor, but it is great to, to hear about how much he wants us to be his home. You know, it'll be great in the years to come. I'm sure Trevor uh, is eventually going to have a, a charitable uh, institution that, that he creates. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be outstanding to see how his growth uh, on the field and off of it as a citizen continues. And he's just he's – he's a perfect ambassador – perfect face of the franchise uh he he's been generational in every way we'll take a break when we come back uh, we've got some more we've got another brooks beat coming up we're gonna talk some uh hoops tonight gators play in tuscaloosa stay with us God only knows what I'd God Only Knows by the Beach Boys, our final song for you to win a pair of tickets today. If you don't win, go to theamp.com and get your tickets. The show comes up Saturday, February 25th, so in just a couple weeks, at the Amp in St. Augustine. Call number 3 at 641-1010. Call number 3 at 641-1010. We've had lots of good giveaways today, haven't we? God Only Knows also from Pet Sounds. So I picked three songs from Pet Sounds, no, didn't no, I? No, Good Vibrations wasn't. But oh, it's not okay. It was the same year. Yeah, yeah, but wouldn't it be nice and... And um, God Only Knows. And God Only Knows, by the way, is the song. You talk about how the, the, the album drove him crazy. God Only Knows is the song he couldn't get right. Yeah. And they were so mad at him. And they were so – the story goes that they the, – the, the band almost broke up because Brian would not accept what they did with God Only Knows. It's a great story. It is a great story. And it's a, it's a great song. Uh, it's great uh, how it's used in – and some soundtracks. This song is the final song you hear in Love Actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's spectacular with all the families reuniting at the it airport. Yeah. Uh, it's just the perfect song. Uh, and uh, and you've seen the be- the movie. the movie. Yeah, with John Cusack. Yeah, with John Cusack. And um, Paul Giamatti is the bad guy. It, it, it's really good. Yeah. It's really. What's the name of the movie? I can never remember it. The, the Brian Wilson story. I can't remember but it's, uh, it's really... It's not that. It's got Love like and a, Mercy? Yeah. Love and Mercy. Yeah, I have not seen it, but that's you have to, to put on my list. You have to watch it. It's really, really good. It's All right, good. we're going to talk a little Florida basketball. Does This surprise, This stat surprised me from Chris Harry's uh, pregame writing. Bama leads the all-time series over Florida 77-70. Well, keep in mind, Florida was terrible in basketball until about 1990-something. 90 90 okay. Yeah, yeah that, te- terrible. That, that's what pe- people don't... Again... You, you being surprised by that stat is, is kind of the point that people don't understand how bad Florida was at basketball until a couple Sloan years in the 80s and then Lon Kruger. They were I, terrible. I, yeah, Billy had, like, I want to say a 14-game win streak against them. Probably right. I mean. And that's why it's, and that's why it's as close as it is. Yeah. But they, they lead it, what, by seven or eight? Probably in, something like that. Seven. The, but in the Wimp-Sanderson years and, oh, yeah. and, back, and back Wendell Hudson, I mean, Florida never beat Alabama. Florida didn't beat anybody. Right. Yeah. I mean. Because, see, in my lifetime, Alabama hasn't been that good at basketball. So yeah. that's why it't surprises me, but it's because it predates when I was paying attention. Well, think about this. You were born in 82. Yeah. Okay. So most of us start paying attention to sports. We're 8, 9, or 10. I mean, you, I mean that's just we can't really kind of comprehend it until we're even, even if it's that. Or so. so let's just say you started paying attention to sports when you were 8 years old, 9 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's 90. 
Florida athletics, <laughs> pre-90 and post-90, were two different sports. Florida was Vanderbilt. Now, there were some good years in the 80s and then here and there. But Florida, Florida before 1990 had never beaten anybody in anything of significance, ever. Like, ever. Like, like My it, life turned it around. You, you did. <laughs> so, but, I mean, people your age and younger sure. don't understand how bad Florida athletics were. You know, so, so you're right. Um, as for tonight's game, yeah, I don't think Florida's going to win. Alabama's ten and zero in the league. They're seventeen and three. They're and they're, they're huge. Yeah, they're a Final Four team. You know, and it's hard to go on the road and beat a team that's probably a Final Four team. I don't think Florida's going to win this game. If somehow they shock the world and win the game, they're a tournament team. Because if they win, I said this the other day, if they win the game, they're fourteen and ten, seven and four in the league, right? With seven games remaining and all kinds of momentum. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I think when you look at Florida's uh, path, if they don't win it tonight. And they're probably not I, and, going and to. And they're, they're a nine-and-a-half-point underdog. Uh, so yeah, Much I, bigger than the Tennessee game. Much bigger. Granted, this is a way. Um, and that's why. You yeah. know, I, I think then you're looking at it in your final seven. You've got to go five and two just to have a chance. Right, I agree. Uh, so basically, this, this is Florida's season for the rest of Alabama tonight of at Arkansas and home against Kentucky, ideally if you could win two of those three, you're in. If you win one of those three, you're going to be right on the bubble going into the SEC tournament, and that's assuming you get your other games, which they should get. They play two games against Vanderbilt, who's 106th in the net. They play one game against Ole Miss, who's 119th. They play one game at Georgia, who's 131st. And they host in the finale LSU, who's 139. And Florida's in the 40s. Florida's 42. Yes. So now Arkansas is 24 and Kentucky's 41. Interestingly enough, Kentucky and Florida are now back to back in the net. um, And they played a very close last night. And they played a very close game. And Kentucky will be coming to Gainesville. So that that's where Florida is. I thought it was interesting when I heard Todd Golden say, "We haven't had any bad losses." So I went and looked at yeah, it. Yeah, I thought of it. That, that kind of got my attention, too. Yeah, because they've lost so many. And you right. just would assume that, you know, and they lost to FAU earlier in the year, which at the time was good. like, oh, wow, they ended up being good. So Florida's lost 10 games, but they don't have any quad three or quad four losses. Nobody under 50. Uh, and so what's interesting about that is Florida's 42nd in the net, like we said. So then I was curious, well, how many teams above them in the net can also say that they haven't lost a quad three or a quad four game, and it's half. So 21 teams ahead of Florida in the net have lost to a quad three or a quad four. Uh, So that speaks to something that might help Florida's resume, particularly if they're able to take care of business in the five games that we mentioned where all those teams have a net of over 100. So if they could, I, I agree. If they can win tonight, uh, and they don't suffer a bad loss, they're in. They could lose at Arkansas. They could lose at home to Kentucky, and they would be in. If they lose tonight, then I think they've got to get at least one of the at Arkansas or home against Kentucky game. And by no means can they lose any of those five that appear to be close to gimmies. When looking at Joe Lenardi's bracketology, Florida is in the first four out, certainly like we've talked about. So I went ahead and looked at of the four teams in the last four in. It's Boise State, Oklahoma State, Nevada, and Memphis. 
Memphis has two games against Houston, right. top-ranked team in the country. Oklahoma State has five games remaining against ranked teams. I would tend to think that if Florida can take care of business, maybe not against Alabama, but the teams certainly Florida's supposed to take care of business against, Oklahoma State is going to lose some of those, if not the majority of those ranked teams. So you're going to have movement, certainly when it comes to the last four in and the first four out. And I will say, again, let's assume a loss tonight, 13-11, and 6-5. When you're 13-11 and 6-5 and and in your league, it's a long way to the tournament. You, 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 five and, to your point, Hayes, 5-2, and two, we said this yesterday, that would get them to 18-13, and 13, and it would get them to 11-7. and seven. Seven. So 11-7, and 18-13, and 13, and 11-7, and seven, you might be in. That's a might be, which is saying something because 11-7 and seven in past years, you're in, you know, but you might be in. Six and one and you're in, okay? If, if you lose tonight and then go six and one the rest of the way, then you're in the tournament because then, then you're – because then you're 19 and 12, and you're 12 and 6. You're in the 12. I don't care what your net. You're not net. Who you beat? Who you haven't beaten? Big losses. If you're 12 and 6 in your league, in a Power Five league, you're probably in the tournament. And played a very challenging non-conference. Very challenging. Yeah. Yes. But that's right. But 19 and 12, 12 and 6. You're in the tournament. So, so after tonight, which we most most of us think they're going to lose the game, they would have to be. They would have to go six and one to be assured to be in. Five and two to have a chance. Anything less than that, they're out no matter what they do in the NCAA tournament. I mean, in the SEC tournament. It is interesting. You're right, though. And I thought the same thing when I heard him say that. And I thought, well, he had no bad losses. I thought, okay, let me go back. Our Florida Atlantic turned out to be a good team. Florida Atlantic is, well, I don't know what their record is. They're really good. Uh, Xavier's a good team. West Virginia. One thing is, of their, of their ten losses, three are from the Big 12 who have really good teams. I mean, Oklahoma, West Virginia, and Kansas State have really good teams. FAU's twenty-two and two. Yeah, twenty-two and two. You know, so and, and they barely lost that one. So, so I mean, if you look back at the teams that have beaten them, three from the, it's a bad year to have three teams for the Big Twelve because the Big Twelve yeah. might be as good as it's ever been. You know, and so and so it's a bad year to have three teams, and that's and yeah. So, so we'll see. We'll see what winds up happening. Any chance they win tonight? I don't think so. I don't either. No, Alabama's. Huge. Yeah. That's the problem. Six nine, six ten, and seven feet tall is what they're bringing to the table. Yeah. I don't know that Florida can withstand. I don't know that Colin Castle can withstand that much when he's the only one who's doing anything Correct. in the paint. Yeah, I'm glad Felder's back, but Felder's not much of a factor. And I doubt he plays much tonight since I agree. he's just recently back with the team. I agree with you, and I and I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll be much of a factor. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I I'll, I'll say this. I um, and I and I've been saying this, and I'll stand by this. I like who I think they're going to be under Todd Golden. I hope he can recruit good players, but I like who I think they're going to There's something about – I don't think this team's very good, but I think they're – but there's something – there's a charm to them. that makes sense? They're not – They're gutsy. They're gutsy. They play hard. They, he gets about every drop out of them. You know, I, I, again, they're not very good, but they're, they're an admirable not very good. You know, I mean, Lon Kruger had a team. I think it was, it was uh, they were an NIT team. Brian Hogan was it ninety? Was it the ninety team when Brian Hogan they got they went deep in the NIT? I'm not sure. Then ring a bell. Do you remember Brian Hogan, the shooter? He was, a, he was a he was a he was a three point shooter. I think Pat and Joe Lawrence. I don't know. They're running together. But was Quizma on that team? He was on the good team. Yeah, he was on the good team. What but about I, Sven? He was also, so you mean Sven Darker Bolton, <laughs> the Norwegian Collegian? That's right. Okay. 
Yeah. And uh, and Marty Kuzma, the thin fin. Yeah. Okay. Don't, don't trust me on my thin fin in, in <laughs> Louisiana. I love that was the '94 team. That was the fantastic. I team. think 1989, 1990. Is that the year they went to the they went to the NIT right? Brian mm-hmm. Hogan and who else was on that team? It was a fun team. Stacy Poole might have still been on that team. That that's the team you're talking because I, I covered them. I mean, I covered the uh, I covered the whole NIT run. Yeah, Dwayne Davis, Stacy Poole, Shinsis. Okay. Brian Hogan, B.J. Carter, Willie Jackson. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It was Livingston a fun. Chapman. Yeah, they were an NIT team, but they were a fun team. That was, that was, that was a fun. That was a fun. I think the, they might have lost to Colorado State in the NIT. Maybe it might have been. They, they went. I want to say they got that. They got to Madison Square Garden. So, Florida announced their SEC legend today for the SEC tournament. Each yeah. team gets a legend. Yeah. Their legend, Chris Richard. Chris Richard. Chris Richard, who never started. <laughs> I mean, never was. He was a never. He wasn't a starter. You know, so but that might be pretty. A, you don't have enough legends. That's your point. But B, that's how good that team was. <laughs> that a non-starter on that team was their legend. Yeah, uh, we'll take a break. Uh, Lauren's going to wrap the show with news and notes after this. We were just discussing some Florida basketball. Wanted right. to let everyone know, 1992 was the season. That was, that was year. Went to Pitt in the NIT. Beat Richmond. Beat Pitt. Drove from Pitt to Indianapolis. Beat Purdue, and then a week later played in the finals. Lost. The Monday game, the semifinals, to Virginia, but the Times Union let me stay. So the next, and the, so the final was Wednesday. Tuesday it was Knicks and Bulls, and I got the first time I ever saw Jordan in person. I only saw him twice ever. One of the two times I ever saw Jordan in person. Who would have been the leading player in the Knicks at that point in time? Ewing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so a, yeah, it was a great game. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say who yeah. won. Bulls. Okay. And I, and I think Jordan went for forty whatever. It was that game. Well, that's a perfect segue into one thing we have not discussed. That is, of course, LeBron James last night. He was able to overtake Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as far as points leaders in the NBA. Were you impressed with his humility after? Yeah, I, I, I like LeBron. LeBron's not going to do me wrong. I, I don't. I, I, nothing LeBron does bothers me. I, I, I know he grabbed the mic, and but I and he probably shouldn't have dropped the f bomb. But I. I no, LeBron can do no wrong with me. He's not perfect, but I think for all the attention he's got, he's been pretty good. I, I'm, I'm a LeBron guy. I'm okay with LeBron. Yeah, it's a magnificent accomplishment, obviously. It speaks to his greatness and his longevity. I, I do wonder if we'll ever see it broken um, because when you really break it down, uh, it, it's basically, I think, averaging 30 points a year for about 18 years, which is just remarkable. Um, and he's going to keep adding to it. We don't know how long gonna, he's going to play. Sure, and he's going to keep adding to it. Great point. So Abdul-Jabbar, I think, was 42 when he retired. So maybe LeBron can can get four more years. I and, didn't realize that. Is that right? He I played think four, he was 42 when he stopped. So uh, so certainly LeBron could add to it. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't change anything for me. Uh, you know, Michael Jordan's the greatest player I've ever seen. Uh, but LeBron James is the second greatest player I've ever seen. And uh, the league has been uh, really fortunate to have uh, both in their, uh, in their you know, last 35, 40 years of existence. It took 38 years for LeBron to break Kareem's record. So it would be the year 2061 if it took another 38 years for someone to break mm-hmm. it, which certainly is possible. You wonder if they're going to need to change the rules again, though, to where you don't have to play in college, although it's just one year at this point in time. But still, LeBron obviously able to go right from high school. This has nothing to do with the NBA, but I saw this and had to bring it up uh, to you gentlemen since you both love movies. 
This is an opinion from Mike Freeman. Remaking White Men Can't Jump is Hollywood's stupidest idea yet. Stupidest idea yet. Well, Did you see that they're going to remake it? Yeah, it's first. It's not in even the team picture of stupidest decision <laughs> yeah. that Hollywood has made. But uh, but yeah, they don't need to remake it. I, I'm a little. Is this actually happening, or is he just saying that? I think they're planning on it at this point in time. Yeah, I, I don't That'd be like, a tough movie to yeah. make now. It seems like. Yeah, and I don't like remakes. Yeah, I don't either. Really. Uh, they, they got the movie right. If you want to do a movie similar to it, but I, I don't need the. I know the end. Right. You know, you know, I mean, I, I don't need a remake. Although I didn't. Yes, it's I being redone. I didn't love the ending. I didn't. It was, it was very sad. Yeah. White man can't jump. They, Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. Well. Well, no one dies. It's not like Million no. Dollar Baby. No, but, but, but Your well, least the, favorite movie of all time. Worst movie I've ever but, watched. But, but them splitting up at the end was sad. I did not, I did not like it either. I thought it, wor- it was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the, worst part of, the worst part of the movie was at the end, she got on Jeopardy, and, and, and then they weren't together. Yeah. Because he, he couldn't take life seriously, and she'd had enough. Right. I hated it. Yeah, I didn't like that. I hated the ending. It but happens it's a, a lot really, in your life, though. Really funny movie. Yeah, it's probably more you didn't real. See it. Did you see it? Oh, yeah. It was, I saw it. Yeah, it was a, I, I mean, a long I, time ago. I loved the movie until the end. Right. Yeah. Jawan Taylor, Jaguars right tackle, he is hoping to get $15 million per year. Is that feasible? It's Yes. I think that number is close. I think that number is, if he doesn't get that, he'll get in the ballpark. What do you think? The left tackle thing is really starting to become a concern for me uh, because there are some teams that seem like they're desperate enough to pay him to play left tackle, which will be, a, I think, a mistake on their part. But, uh, but it does put the Jaguars in a tough position because now you're talking about a different level of money. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think he could get that. And, again, the Jaguars would be able to, if they wanted to do a contract that averaged 15 per, they can do that. Uh, they can restructure enough that, you know, his, maybe his first-year cap number is nine, and then it goes up from there. And, the, again, we've talked about it. The salary cap is going to spike again next year, probably maybe the highest spike we've ever seen because there's TV money coming in that's new. Good time um, to get a new contract. Yeah, yeah so good time. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, again, we've talked about it. It's why some players will just take a one-year deal because they know that the cap next year, the expectation is it is going to be – substantially higher so uh anyway i i think uh, i think yeah i think it, it makes sense for Jawan taylor to ask for that and again he's yet to make really life-changing money in the nfl as a second round pick his rookie contract wasn't all that lucrative for a professional athlete so this is his opportunity to go get every dollar so frank you think cam robinson walker little and Jawan taylor all on the team next season i do and i think evan ingram is too the rest of them i don't know i don't know how much you've got a sacrifice to have those two guys on the team but it's my opinion and but i told you all along to your point about left tackle that he, there's a chance he's going to get left tackle money it's hard to find left tackles and he's a good player he's a good offensive tackle the uh and and there's a lot it only takes one team to believe he can be their good left tackle and it's going to be teams that struggle earlier to find that if you struggle earlier to find it and then you wind up finding it yeah so i think he's going to wind up but I think they're going to find a way to keep it. I, would, I know they're going to try. And I would be curious in knowing uh, if that's something Jawan is interested in. I mean, he's found a home at right tackle. Yep. And he was a right tackle at Florida. Mm-hmm. So this is not somebody like Walker Little, I think you, you get every indication. He would love to be a left tackle in the NFL. I, I don't know if – I've never gotten that from Jawan Taylor. Obviously, he had the famous quote a year ago where – 
he insisted on I'm a tackle, but it, but I would be I would be interested in knowing if playing left tackle is something that appeals to Juwan Taylor because I almost get the sense that it doesn't that he yeah. prefer to stay at right. He looks like a right tackle. Right tackles seem to be broader, stockier. Um, uh, left tackles seem to be leaner, more athletic looking. Um, Cam Robinson and Walker Little look like left tackles. They're leaner guys. Baselli looked like a lean left tackle. Leon Cersei looked like a right tackle. You know, so they have a look to them. That means that's all they can be, but they have a look. I mean, both Cam and Walker look like left tackles. They're built, they, they have that angular build. And, and here's the thing that I would caution Juwan Taylor on is you need this wherever you decide. You need it to work. If it doesn't work after two years, you're going to get released, and you're not going to see all that contract. So if if Team X is willing to pay more, but it's to be a left tackle versus the Jaguars where it's right tackle, where you know, and it may not be quite as much, but look, the odds that the Jaguars are going to move on from you in two years is incredibly slim. You go to a new place where they don't know you, you better have two great years because if you don't have two great years, you're going to be released, and then you're just going to be back on the market and, and not getting near the kind of contract that you were just released from. I also wonder how much of a difference did it make going from Andrew Norwell to Brandon Scherf to play the position next to you as far as right guard if you're Jawan Taylor. If they watch the film, if someone looking at your contract is going to break down the film from last season, are they going, well, yeah, he's a lot better because of there was an, a guy who at one point in time was much better. I mean, I know Andrew Norwell was an all-pro at one point in time, but Scherf played way better. So I also wonder if that's going to factor into how much they would pay him. Yeah, but the bottom line could be. It could. But the bottom line is it's hard to find good offensive tackles. Every team needs two. There's 32 teams. That means you're trying to find – the league is trying to find 64 good offensive tackles. That's a lot of guys, and i got to believe he's going to get paid to be one of them. The 2023 season will be the first year of flex scheduling for Monday Night Football, and Roger Goodell said today it wouldn't surprise him if at some point Thursday games could be flexed as well. I love the fact that they're they're flexing Mondays next year, starting at the beginning of the season. I love that. They've got to do it. I mean, it's just – it's one of those things that – it, it hurts the fans that are going to the game. The game's on a different day. It's a di- But the league has become so TV-oriented, and you just can't put a bad show on. When there's a bad Monday night game, it's the equivalent of your favorite TV show doing what's called a filler episode, right. where it's incredibly forgettable, but they've got to get their 22 episodes yeah. in for that season, and so it ends up being kind of a forgettable episode. You don't see that as much with the streaming shows, but network TV shows have designated, we just need to get through this episode, and it's, it's not great for the viewer. It's the same thing with football on a, on a more pronounced level. If you're putting a Monday night football game out there with 3-9 and nine versus 4-8, and eight, other than the fantasy implications, no one is going to care. They've got to get to a point where they can flex Monday night football, and they absolutely should flex Thursday night football too. The NFL should be at a point where once you get to week eight and beyond, they should not be nationally televising a game with two bad teams. Especially for as much as these channels and streaming packages, streaming services, are paying. Didn't Amazon Prime pay like a billion dollars to get mm-hmm. Thursday Night Football? It's they should be able to say, we want a better team or a better matchup. cap's going to go up exactly. big time next year. For Dane Brugler last year, there were 32 players drafted who were not invited to the Combine 
usually there are 80 to 100 combine, combine invites each year who don't get drafted. So yeah. they're doing a lot better. Yeah, I think so. The combine has become such a big deal. We'll be there, by the way. Looking forward to going for three days for the combine. The combine has become such a big deal now that it's hard to get a handle on who belongs and who doesn't. But they are doing better. I agree with that. The combine list of invites was announced today. Alabama leads the way with 13 players, Georgia with 12. Florida has nine, and good old Florida State only one. Yeah, because everybody's coming back. they all went back. Yeah, so uh, next year, Florida State, I would imagine, will have probably at least a dozen uh, at the combine. Florida's number is, is, I think, very high. Uh, You know, obviously we know about Torrance. Uh, and, and he'll go high, and, and you know, it really Richardson will be one of the stories of the combine, just to see w- what he elects to do, and if he elects to do it all, does he put up a workout number that is just going to be astronomical? Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see. Programming note: Hacker after dark tonight, we'll have Gators quarterback commit Derek Lagway. So yeah. for all the Gator fans out there, certainly you will want to tune in to that. And finally, before we say hello to Rick Ballou, Frank, we've got college hoops. We already talked about Florida at number three, Alabama. But tomorrow night, we will be at UNF as UNF plays host to Florida Gulf Coast. And also tomorrow night, JU plays host to Stetson. Both games tip off at 7 p.m. Important right. games for both schools. Yeah, we'll keep track of how both of those teams do. No question about that. By the way, I do have an important update for you. Critically important. I don't know Good. how I can get to this. You need to know that both Marty Kuizma, <laughs> the Thin Thin, <laughs> yes. and Svein Durkobolten, the Norwegian Collegian, <laughs> were both on that 92 team. Love it. I did not I remember. I thought. How. I mean, that's yeah, what, I, right. that's what right. I sort of remember. Yeah, I, I just remember Brian Hogan making yeah. threes. That's all yeah. I got for you. That's all I got for you. All righty. Let's say hello to Rick Palou. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the rubber on the road with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Rick Ballou joins us now. Ballou, do you play golf every day? Is like every day? Me? No, yeah. I, I play like once a week and then once on the weekend. Why? I thought I saw you play again. Didn't you didn't play again today? Why did I think that? No, uh, not today. I have my back and neck adjusted by uh, okay. my, my good buddy, Dr. Michael Shinatri and I took care okay. of a, a little bit of business today to try to keep oh, everyone happy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just yeah. want Rick. I mean, Rick Blue's out there playing golf. He's hitting balls within two feet. You know, he's probably shooting. Probably shot seventy the other day. I mean, God dang, <laughs> I'm just trying to be Rick Blue's. What I'm trying hey, to do. Hey man, so. this is the golf capital of the world, as far as I'm considered. Uh, as far right, as I'm concerned, right. I, I love it around here. Uh, maybe someday. That's my goal to play golf yeah. every day. It's a great goal. Um, what did you think of Trevor's letter in the Players Tribune? Pretty cool, wasn't oh, it? Oh man, I've never seen anything like it. And uh, obviously, I'm going to be very long-winded on it, but it's just amazing that he's only 23 years of age, and he came forward uh, with that because he he really hit everything. And, and also in that letter, there were a couple of things that that honestly I wasn't aware of that he told us today. So, man, just you know, I I think you look at the tough times around here, and and one of the the major things for me was always. Who was the leaders of this football team? You know, we were told Brandon Linder was a silent leader. I mean, just trying to figure out who they were. Well, at the age of 23, there's no question as he gets ready for his third year, he is absolutely the leader of this franchise. All right, Rick Palou goes into the night in just a bit. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. All right, that'll just about do it for our program. Do want to thank our friends from uh, Island Wing Company. Tomorrow, as Lauren just told you, we'll be live at UNF. I, I have not seen the renovated unf arena i can't wait to see we it. will be in the suite yeah I hear you that. asked for hospitality yes I'm gonna we're go. about to get hospitality I mean, hospi- we will be in the suite tomorrow 
I mean, Carline hangs out in suites all the time. Well, he can't wait. He's not getting. He's going to pull up in the Tesla. UNF Saunter is going to beat Gulf Coast by 12 points. 12 points. Like Early yeah, prediction. Yeah. I like it. I like it very much. That's our program. No going anywhere. Rick Beluga's into the night right now. Thanks to our friends here at Island Wing Company. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Frangie. So long.